get a really good feeling about this. This is the Outlander Club, a Rebel Scum podcast. Everyone has a story. Here are those Star Wars stories. Don't forget to join us on Patreon for exclusive bonus content and early access. Here's your host, James Razile. No, I'm telling you, it's going to be great. When have I ever steered you wrong? This is James Razile. Welcome to the Outlander Club. Today's show is jam-packed. I'm joined with Pete Fletzer from Around the Galaxy podcast, but his love and history with Star Wars fans much more than just a podcast. He has many stories to tell, and we're going to get to those stories in one second. We're going to talk before the film in 1977, which was then not even known as A New Hope, all the way up until the release of Solo, and of course, then some. So here we go. Strap yourself in, relax, and enjoy this episode of The Outlander Club. All right, we're ready to take a trip around the galaxy. Joining me now is Pete Fletcher. Pete, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me, man. Good to talk to you. Yeah, I can't wait to talk Star Wars. You, do you ever get tired of talking Star Wars? Um, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> but I've, been, I've been doing it my whole life ever since I was seven years old. So uh, I, I'm always, I, you know, I'm actually I'm more surprised that there's always somebody who's willing to talk about Star Wars with me. So that's uh, that's kind of the way I would put it. <laughs> You're surprised if someone talked. I'm surprised there's people who listen sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I can't believe it, yeah. but that's. It, is it oh it's always fun and like flattering like somebody actually listened to this this is great especially and i don't know how you feel but there are billion star wars podcasts out there yeah and too many and they find time for you for me like there are people there's audience for everybody and it and they don't like it's just it's amazing thank you all everybody it really means a lot too Absolutely. And you know, it's funny. I, when I started my podcast, I was unaware. I knew there were a lot of podcasts. I was thinking maybe 200. And now that I'm doing it myself, holy cow, they're everywhere. And, and like you said, it's amazing. There's, there's enough for everybody and clearly not enough because everybody's listening to whatever's out there, which is fantastic. And every day a new one pops up. Yeah. I, mean, I yep. actually, at Star Wars Celebration, which we're going to get to because I know how many you've been to. They, uh, zero. Uh, yeah, zero. <laughs> uh, but people were saying, uh, there's someone tweeted out, it was so funny today. I ran into somebody that didn't have a Star Wars podcast. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing here? Yeah, You're well, in the wrong place. <laughs> it's like, they should just call that Star Wars podcast celebration. And now, if there was a it. podcast convention, it would be just as full, I think. It, it probably would be. <laughs> it's true. It's true. But you are going to make, you, are, you have said that you're going to be going to Anaheim celebration. I'm definitely, in fact, like I'm already ready to get to the the computer and, and order. I was uh, I've talked to my travel agent already. She's gonna try to hook me up with a hotel, and my kids are excited. My wife is not, but um, I did tell her there'll, there'll be spas nearby, so she'll be excited about that. Oh, so yes. I'm just I'm just actually right now debating: do I get two four day adult tickets? Because I don't know if she's gonna use it. I might have to sell it while I'm there or something. I don't know. I haven't thought that far in advance. I'll, but. I'll say, I don't know how, how, how into Star Wars your wife is at all, if she even if she likes it, likes it or not. I know uh, she, Not at all. So, I, I mean, it's not that she doesn't like it. She just doesn't care. <laughs> so my wife, Erin, she likes Star Wars. She's been on, on Rebel Scum a bunch of times, but she's not obsessed with it. And she mm-hmm. did. She actually went three out of the four days at or, in Orlando. She And you know what? She Plus, only had tickets for two. And somebody we went with wasn't going to the fourth day. And she goes, I'll go. And she, it was just her and I that went the last day. It was Easter Sunday. We were the only two that went uh, uh-huh. in our group. But she, she actually went and did not rush me out of there. She was cool with being there the entire day. And, yeah. And it, um, 
I think honestly, if you're not obsessed with Star Wars, you have more fun. <laughs> celebrating. You might, yeah, yeah. It's, it's interesting because I think that there's. Uh, I actually I did an interview with with somebody last night, and the good news is they won't know who I'm talking about uh, because yeah. <laughs> of when this goes. But, um, and it was weird because they weren't as much of a Star Wars fan as I thought, and it was a weird conversation because, like the podcast world, I'm not sure at like at what level of Star Wars the people I'm talking to need to be at for them to be into. So, um, but it's interesting because if your wife enjoyed Star Wars Celebration without being, you know, an, an uber nerd like myself, um, that's that says a lot about the way they, they put the, the celebration together. And I guess they kind of have to because it's not going to be all all super excited, you know, uber fans. So, Yeah, and I, I've said this before, and this will be the last time I say it, until next time that the panels right. the panels um when we first arrived at orlando this woman said don't obsess over the panels there's way more things mm-hmm. to worry about and of course we obsessed over the panels and right. on that last day when there was no panels to obsess over i had the most fun and, yeah and i realized I'm like well somebody who's been here a bunch of times obviously knew more than the person who had never been to one <laughs> and i mean the panels you can watch online they are amazing and it's fun the experience and all that but there's something for everyone everywhere there and it it really is a celebration it's not just trailer it is just hey we love star wars come look at this r2 unit okay yeah yeah and that's why i think like like my kids will be able to get into it and and because there'll be much more for them to do i mean we went to a uh one of the local baseball teams um one of the local minor league teams did a star wars night and my kids literally i think we sat in our seats for about an inning and a half and we spent the rest of the time talking to r2 and stormtroopers and <laughs> people dressed up in costume and I, and so that being said I, I think you're right i think that celebration will be fun for the whole family oh, they're, so. gonna, they're gonna love it all right let's get into the meat of this, of this sure conversation here as my computer updates <laughs> All right, let's get into the meat. Your of computer this. just wants to be ready for the yeah, interview. Yeah, it's, wants, it's there. He wants to know what's up. He <laughs> keeps yelling at me. Um, so you are a original generation Star Wars fan. I am. Yes. Yes. Uh, I don't know if you want me to say your your age because I don't know. If I'm I can, 48. Yes. I'm 48. I, as of today, I'm 48. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you saw uh, what is now known as a New Hope in the in the theater. Yep. But tell me about a uh, little peep before that. Yeah, so I was always into, um, I think through my dad, who was definitely a, he was more of a, a classic horror from, horror film fan. And um, I remember, I mean, so I was seven when I saw uh, Star Wars. But I remember vividly watching um, uh, on television every Godzilla movie. I was a huge Godzilla fan. Um so I loved that kind of genre. I wasn't necessarily a, a science fiction fan or uh, a fantasy fan, but the Godzilla movies were were where my uh, biggest excitement was, and I I I never missed them. There was like there was like Monster Week every couple months on on the local television channel, and and I would watch that. So that was my big thing, and um, I remember I wasn't even that familiar with Star Wars when. So I ended I ended up seeing Star Wars at the end of the summer of 77 and um and my birthday's in july um so if you want to send me a gift july is the right time to do so uh, but um i for my birthday that year my grandmother got me a star wars t-shirt and i really still you know i wasn't aware of it that much but she knew it was popular and um so it was a Star Wars T-shirt, and it was a the picture, the famous picture of um, 
C-3PO and R2-D2 standing in the hall of the blockade runner. And for some reason, in my mind, I was convinced that C-3PO was a bad guy. I have no idea why, but in my mind, C-3PO was the bad guy of the movie. And nobody's ever been more wrong ever about the character. I don't know. Ask Jason Fry about that one. (laughs) (laughs) But um, so I had the T-shirt, and then we finally went to to see the movie. And, And I was excited to see it, but I didn't really... I don't have any memory of really being, you know, like sort of obsessed about, I got to go see this thing. And then, but what I do remember is that from that day on, everything that I saw was compared to Star Wars. Absolutely everything. And I remember, I think the next big movie I saw was Close Encounters. And I remember saying, that was a good movie, but it wasn't Star Wars. So um, it it definitely, it had a major impact on my little seven-year-old life at that point. Well, what was the impact? So you... Your dad says we're going to go see see the Star Wars movie. And you go, well, I have a T-shirt. Okay, fine. Let's go see it. Yeah. And you yep. guys, you get in the theater, and you sit there. And at what do do you remember a, a specific moment that just kind of said, this is the gold standard now? Well, you know, I don't. It's funny, and the, the amazing thing about Star Wars is a uh, as a as a genre, a film. I think at this point, it's more than just a a, a series. Um, I literally, I have almost no memory of the movie itself the first time I saw it, other than the main thing that I remember is um, is Vader coming through the door, standing there in the smoke, hands on his hips, looking around, stormtroopers at his side. And like that to me is the only memory I have from that first day. And I remember sitting in the, 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 uh, the back of my parents' station wagon pretending to shoot down TIE fighters on the way home. And that was all that I remember from that very first day. But for some reason... Um, that movie stuck with me and we, we saw it again multiple times. And I remember actually, I think that what I, uh, what connected me to the story the most was there was an LP, an old vinyl record of the story of star Wars. And it was told in what is it LP 45 minutes. And there was, um, audio from the movie and a narrator and, um, uh, in fact, I'll send you the link on YouTube cause I did find it cause I had to listen to it again. Um, and, um, that that was it. I mean, me and my, I remember my little my little best friend, little Kevin, in my my grade school. He and I, we would come home from school and we would uh, we would listen to it over and over and over. And it just became um, it became part of who we were. And then once the action figures came out, then of course everything changed because um, then we created our own Star Wars with the action figures and our own stories and our own uh, sort of we kind of determined what was happening in our own mind and, and, and built up the story that way. Um, it was interesting on, on my show, there was, uh, uh, we had, uh, Anthony Bresnikan on and one of the things that he talked about and he and I got into a conversation about, which I found really interesting cause I hadn't thought about it before, but you know, back in the late seventies, um, you didn't have the same movie cycle that you have now, right? Today, Black Panther comes out three months later. My son has it on on digital video. He can watch it again. He can watch it whenever he wants, and it's it's there's no sort of mystery to it. Whereas ultimately, uh, the action figures were the only connection we had to Star Wars. That and the you know the story of Star Wars on vinyl and. And so we had to create our own Star Wars for the three years we had to wait between movies. Yeah. So that I got to talk to you about this now before we get to Empire Strikes Back because I'm a child. I was born in 1981. 
Okay. So I was born after Empire, right before Jedi. But I mean, you know, if I saw Jedi, if even if I did see Return of the Jedi in the theater, I don't right. really think it would have any impact on me. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> as a two-year-old, so for me, uh, I always knew that that uh, Luke and Leia were brother and sister. I always yep. knew that Vader was their father. Yep. Uh, Jabba the Hutt was always a thing. Ewoks, <laughs> Jawas are equal. Like everything, like that's how it was for me. And I played with the toys and nothing really mattered. And I'm pretty sure I made everything up when I played with the toys. Yep. However, you have a different experience because you saw uh, A New Hope or the Star Wars. It was just Star just Wars. Star yeah, Wars, right? yeah. Which actually is what I actually, spoiler alert, I didn't know it was called A New Hope until the special editions. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah, okay. I actually cool. had no idea. And then I, 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 I think I saw it was a. Then I had the novelization for Star Wars and Empire, and uh-huh. it doesn't say New Hope in the novelization. It's my parents' novelization, mm-hmm. and I and I I remember just seeing the new uh, reprint of it, and I said, what, "A New Hope? What? When did this happen?" I guess it happened before, because yeah. uh, my copy of A New Hope on VHS was recorded off of television, <laughs> so I think we, I think we missed that part of it. So you got the commercials yeah. and everything. That's uh, great. Well, they, they were, my parents were slick. They paused during commercials uh, and, they, and they waited. They were hard. Yeah, was it was it one of those remotes that was on a string? Because my first VCR, I remember, but my dad when he got our first VCR, it was a top loader, right? Yeah. It was like the size of a, a desk and the remote was on a string. <laughs> Very <funny. laughs> Anyway, not like a real string, like a, like a tin can thing, but a, like, a, like a, a wire. I don't, I don't remember a wire. It was JVC. I remember that it was like the yeah. size of like a desk. <laughs> it right. Was, it was massive. Yeah. yeah. And the buttons were the size of a laptop now too. Right, like, like click. Big, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what it was. But I, I just want to know from someone who experienced it. Yeah. Going from, from star Wars to empire. Yeah. Before we get into the that big reveal, right? Did you have any expectations, preconceived notions going into Empire, or were you just in for the ride? I, you know, it's it's funny too because in addition to not having any expectations, by today's standards, the way we watch movies, the way we experience sagas and and series, um, we set so many expectations. I mean, literally. Zero, like it was going to be Star Wars two, as far as we knew, yeah. right? So, did we didn't we didn't think about what we were going to get, and I think that might be why all the pieces of it worked so well, because you weren't going in, you know, waiting to, you know, it was. I mean, J.J. Abrams is big with the the mystery box, and 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 actually, if you think about it, the I am your father was the first sort of cliffhanger to real in, in modern. Um, sort of storytelling to to really have that kind of an impact. So, um, yeah, I mean, literally just went in and we're happy to go see Luke and Leah and Han again and and those robots and the and that bad guy. We knew because what was funny, the one thing that I do recall before Empire Strikes Back came out was because at the end of Star Wars, uh, A New Hope, Vader's Tie Fighter spinning off into space. So we all kind of we get it. He's not dead. He's coming back. That bad guy is coming back. Um, but we didn't know how or what. And the first Star, uh, Empire Strikes Back poster I remember was the one that's just his head, sort of the silhouette of his of his head, or sort of the the starry sky version. And we're like, yeah, that that guy's coming back. But again, had no idea how important he was, or you know, there was the story around Vader. Uh, you know, honestly, if if Lucas is being honest, I don't think he even knew how much of a part he would end up playing. And um, so we like like I said, we were literally just going in and happy to see Star Wars two. Like we're gonna get more of that space. And um 
And so and there was much more anticipation between Empire and Jedi because of what was left hanging there. Um, but um, but I do remember seeing Empire, um, and, and I don't have as much memory as I'd like, but um, I do remember that there was... Um, uh, we just thought it was a great movie, top to bottom, and it was cool. And when it ended on the cliffhanger, um, we were like, oh, "We have to wait! I can't believe we have to wait." Um, and the funny thing is, um, like, I, I just recently uh, put up on my website, sort of a if Empire Strikes Back was reviewed by today's sort of toxic fanboys, um, <laughs> and the way they would respond to, you know, all. I mean, let's so think about it. Really, in the Empire Strikes Back. Put yourself in that time frame. There was no expanded universe. The only other Star Wars story we had was there was the Star Wars Christmas special, which was, you know, we'll just leave that there. It was the horrible Christmas special. And there was, I think, Splinter of the Mind's Eye had come out. But there was no sort of expanded universe. So put yourself in this mindset. You go see The Empire Strikes Back, and Luke uses the Force to pull a lightsaber to him. We didn't know that that was a thing. Um, there was a force ghost of Obi-Wan Kenobi. We didn't know that was a thing. Um, and so all these force powers were introduced to us and we just, we readily accepted it. We hungrily ate it. So it was, um, it was, it was a different, yeah, again, I, I'd be very, I'd be, I'd love to know what today's sort of pick apart stories type of fandom would do to the Empire Strikes Back. It's interesting. I also get a headache thinking about that. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, though. Like, if there's a new force power now, it's, well, how does that happen? That never happened before. Yeah, nobody told us about that one. No, yeah. It's also called evolution. Let's just live with it. <laughs> Things happen. Stories evolve. I, I kind of agree with you. I don't think uh, I don't think Lucas knew exactly Vader's pure role in when right. he wrote uh, A New Hope at that point. Uh, that's, you right. know, when you watch, you just, it just doesn't feel like that but do you remember watching empire strikes back and feeling as riveted as you did in a new hope because let's go back to that the fanboyness which obviously you right. know as a as a 10 year old you wouldn't have been but were you and as a 10 year old how did you gravitate to it was it as strong as a new hope or were you kind of like oh. i i actually think uh so a new hope grabbed me in a different way because it was i think there's a there's a big difference between a seven-year-old and a 10-year-old in the way you digest anything. Um, so as a seven-year-old, Star Wars was just pure action and spectacle and, oh my God, that's amazing stuff. Um, and Empire, I mean, you could almost argue that that Lucas made the perfect film for a seven-year-old and then a 10-year-old and then a 13-year-old because the films matured with each episode. And so um, I do, I mean, I remember... It was the first time that I came out of a movie and had sort of a uh, uh, an analytic conversation with my dad about it. You know, it wasn't, you know, we weren't talking about deep literature and connections to Greek mythology and blah, blah, blah. But we were certainly talking about, you know, so what's this Lando guy going to do? Is he really going to help him? And, and uh, you know, are they ever going to find him? And, you know, you know, we haven't even said yet is is Vader really Luke's father? And so it was the first time we had really great sort of conversations about a movie. And, and then of course me and my friends for the next three years, we, it was, what's interesting is we now totally take for granted the fact that between the force awakens and the last Jedi and between the last Jedi and uh, the rise of Skywalker, we 
are having conversations every single day online with people we'll never meet, having deep conversations about what does that mean and where's that going? And then it was just my, you know, my three or four really close sort of Star Wars geeky friends and we all had our own ideas and our own things. And I, th I think I said it uh, recently on, on one of the shows. I There was this, for some reason, um, I remember looking at the, the galaxy at the end of Empire Strikes Back. And, and one of my friends was like, they're definitely coming to Earth because that was the Milky Way they were looking at. And so, I mean, that's a bizarre thought, but we would never even consider that now. But, boy, we didn't know any different. I mean, it was that and Battlestar Galactica was big at the time and uh, Buck Rogers uh, was the was the TV show that was big? So, but yeah, sure, Luke and Leah could come to Earth. That could happen, but uh, thank God that didn't happen. But um, <laughs> uh, so so yeah, so we we had we we were developing our own theories. But the funny thing is, it was happening not only in my little neighborhood in North Jersey, but it was happening around the world in these little tiny groups of people having these conversations. And that's that is actually. In a way, it's kind of a it's it's super special, and it's lost on today's moviegoer because now you're in Canada, I'm in Jersey, and here we are having a conversation, and that's awesome, and that's it's actually great in its own way. But there's also something to be said for that little intimate conversation between me and three friends on the school bus. Oh, that's definitely true, and also everything that we can read online versus making it up on our own, and right, all all, all of that. But the, the Vader as Luke's father, like I said, growing up that was just a thing. Like I just, I always, I never had the surprise. I always just was like, well, yep. that's, that's Luke. like, I am your father F for me. It always hit me though, but not in like the, Oh, kind of way. It was more like because of Luke, it was Luke's reaction to it. That's how yep. I associated with it. And that's why I think when people argue, well, if you show people episodes one through, I guess nine now that, 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 that is ruined. I'm like, yes. But also I think you look at it from a different perspective as well. Um, and, and but so this, I, the surprise is so important, and it's it's interesting because um, so my my nine year old daughter is uh, is starting to become more and more of a, a Star Wars fan, and I have a, a video somewhere of her seeing. I was kind of conscious with her and her experience of Star Wars um, of making sure that that surprise was still there. So she never she sort of watched some of them, but she always kind of knew the Luke story. She kind of knew the Anakin story, but she never put the two together. And I have a video of her seeing the I'm your father scene. And she looks at me and she's like, is is that true? Is what? Is that right? So that's great. Now, on the other hand, you have my six-year-old son who has been into Clone Wars and Rebels. And he's digested Star Wars as one giant meal, right? Whereas yeah. for me, it was one bit at a time. And for my son, it's been like, give me everything you, I can get. And he'll watch them out of order. And so he knows Anakin is Vader. And sometimes he'll say something to me about it. And I know it kind of bothers him, but he loves Anakin and he thinks Vader's cool. So that's it's a weird thing for him. Now, I'm, I'm actually right now, I'm working on a series um, for my podcast where I'm taking, my daughter and I are watching each of the 10 movies in in chronological order. So, and we started talking about and this this was surprising to me, but I'm excited to see where it goes. Um, we started talking about uh, Palpatine, and we started talking about Sidious, and she doesn't make the connection yet. Oh, so wow. I'm I'm I can't wait for her to see uh, Revenge of the Sith. I want to see if that's her sort of "I'm your father" moment. And because uh, I, I even kind of probed her on it, I was like, "So, so what, what do you think of this guy? What do you think of that guy?" And 
there's no connection there. And that that to me is really cool because I if you're going to watch one through nine, that's an important reveal. Yes, it Be- is. So um, because you're going to the Anakin Vader one's already going to have been given away. So I'm really curious to see how that goes. But to me. Um, I was shocked. And I remember I went, I saw all three Star Wars movies with my best friend, a uh, little, little guy who I'm still best friends with to this day. Um, and um, I remember seeing him and seeing Empire. And when, when Vader said that, we were just, I, I think like all the air went out of our body. We just were like floored by that. And we talked about it for three years. So did you believe it or was that really like a point of contention where you both did you say that's not gonna happen or yes it is or were you both just walking on eggshells like i don't want to commit to either answer yeah no it was really it it literally was that we we didn't know and we didn't uh, i like the way you put that yeah neither one of us were willing to say yes he definitely is or no he isn't um but i remember there was a um a starlog magazine that uh we get that uh, there was a picture, that famous picture of Luke standing next to Vader. We now know it was before they boarded the AT-AT on, e- uh, on uh, Endor. Um, but I remember seeing that picture, and we were just like, whoa, he does join him. Maybe he is his father. And and just our response was like we were blown away by just that picture. Um, so, um, yeah, we neither one of us was willing to say, yes, he definitely is or he isn't. Well, I guess not knowing the answer and then seeing that picture just changes the context of that picture entirely. Oh, of, yeah. Which is very similar to when we look at, you know, the let's say the Vanity Fair pictures that come out. We don't know what they're showing us. Exactly. So we all yep. have to make it up. That is, I never thought about that because that just wasn't a part of, wow. Yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of cool to, to think back on that. Like, to, to somebody who knows it already, right? To see that picture, you're like, yep, that's before they went back up to Death Star 2 and fought it out. But to me and my buddy at that time, it was like, when does the like again much like the vanity fair pictures like we don't even know when those scenes take place like we didn't know if the movie started with luke going to see vader we don't know it was really wild really wild that's so cool so how did after you watch empire how does your action were you still playing with action figures at 10 oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah okay, yeah good. i'm so, still playing so with action figures i'm 48 i'm still playing. <laughs> <laughs> I know. me too um, i like to say it's because i have kids but no it has nothing no, to do with like, i'll buy these uh for you guys but also they're for me so how did how did playing with action figures change after Empire though? Having this new um, maybe revelation come out, did that change anything? Yoda is now introduced. What changed in your action figure playing? Ah, uh, that's a good question. Um, I I think we were you know I I mean granted we were it was that ten to thirteen age so we weren't playing as we weren't creating as many stories but we certainly were. Um, um, uh, we were trying to think of, of how uh, what role each one of those characters was going to play. Um, you know, I, nobody even knew if Yoda was going to come back in Return of the Jedi. Um, and that's actually that's another really interesting thing. Um, and I'll throw it out there before I forget from Empire. I remember there was a Time Magazine um, story that came out a couple months before Return of the Jedi, uh, not Return uh, Empire Strikes Back, and much like today. There were pictures of Yoda, but they didn't say it was Yoda. And so they weren't revealing that that little green guy that he talks to in the swamp is Yoda, because that was supposed to be one of the one of the big reveals. Um, but we didn't know if Yoda was going to come back and play a different role in, in Return of the Jedi. But oddly, oddly enough, I think one of the things that I remember most sort of pre-Return of the Jedi 
because there was so much secrecy. And, you know, in the days before the internet, it was a hell of a lot easier to keep secrets. Yes. <laughs> um, I remember I went to a friend's birthday party and he got a bunch of Return of the Jedi things before the movie came out for his birthday. And one of them was a sleeping bag. And Jabba the Hutt was on the sleeping bag. And we just, we all, like, all these little nerdy, pimply 12-year-old boys were just, like, freaking out over this uh, this Jabba the Hutt image on the sleeping bag. And we were like, we knew something. We felt like we knew something about the movie. And Because um, we had, no, re- really, there was, it was such a well-kept secret. Nobody knew anything about what was going to happen in that movie. And I remember... Literally, literally, the phrase "edge of your seat," being at that point watching Vader and the Emperor, and just waiting for Vader to make a move while the Emperor is blue lightninging the the hell out of Luke, and just uh, I literally on the edge of my seat, just like do something, do something, and um, and it, there was just so much tension in that movie the first couple times you see it, and especially when you're 13. Well, you said something a little bit earlier where you said that the movies each matured as they went along. But a lot of people, uh, not me because I was a kid and they were amazing, but a lot of people <laughs> say that the Ewoks actually kind of ruined the movie in a lot of ways. So as a, as a 13-year-old, what were your stance on the Ewoks? I didn't have a problem with them. I really didn't. I, but it's funny. I remember um, my dad, who's a science fiction fan, and some of his friends being like, ah, oh, the Ewoks, they ruined it. They're just a bunch of big teddy bears. And... I, I had no problem with it. But it's funny when you look at, you know, one of the things that, for better or worse, George Lucas was incredibly brilliant at was introducing the right type of characters for the right age. And, um, you know, on my podcast, I do this thing where I ask people what they like more, uh, Ewoks, uh, Porgs, or Jar Jar Binks. And it, it's such a wide range of, of answers depending on who's there. But the funny thing is my nine-year-old daughter when she she did the the very first episode, we were just sort of testing the equipment, and I kept the the, the recording. Um, she says that's such a tough question because I love them all, and it, I mean those are three things that were created for the nine year old to experience, right? Yeah. So um, as a thirteen year old, the Ewoks didn't really didn't really bother me at all. So, um, but it's funny you do hear the older fans who were like, ah, George was just trying to sell more toys. When you're 13, you don't think about it that way. Well, as a, as a 38-year-old who saw Ewoks <laughs> on ice, ice capades as a child, uh, Ewoks. <laughs> but but I, I actually sympathize with you with your daughter because I like them all equally as well. Like, I mean, yeah. I mean, Ewoks will always have that special place for me because of my childhood. Yeah. But when I saw The Phantom Menace, 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 we were talking before this where <laughs> – I had no problem with Jar Jar. I actually yeah. liked Jar Jar. And then when I got to college, people were like, I hate Jar Jar. And that's when, as an 18-year-old, 19-year-old, I was like, what are you talking about? How immature am I? And then Porgs are, I think that they're very different from Ewoks and Gungans. Because they're not, they're just kind of animals, right? They don't really have personalities. They're just, right. they're, you know, they, they're not smart. But they're, well, they're amazing. I think the reason people, people had poor problem with Porgs, though, is because they were clearly designed as merchandise, right? I understand they were put in because the puffins were all over the island and they had to cover them up. But um, you know, the reason they came up with the the uh, Clayton Sandell was telling me this. The reason they came up with the pork sound effect first was because they had to put that in the toys, which were coming out. So 
if and I guess maybe that's why I kind of lumped them in with Ewoks because if you believe that the Ewoks were there to sell toys, then you certainly believe that the Porgs are there to sell toys, and Jar Jar is just there to test your limits of physical humor. I think in Star Wars. No, I think it's a fair question that all th- all three of them I think are the same. However, Porgs just they don't speak. Which the, I think yeah, they they have no impact on the story. They're just all, yeah. there. They're just, they're just there. Yeah. Uh, but I did I I listened to that one where you mentioned that. I said, That's interesting. That, yeah, uh, I I. I was surprised. But well, in Canada, we totally got very surprised. few Porg toys. Uh, that a friend of mine from Philly had to send me a Porg, actually ah. a, a little stuffed Porg that squ- that squeaked because <laughs> they weren't here. I was like, I just want a Porg. Like, mm, not it is, fun. you know, I, 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 you know, part of me, part of the, the cynical side of me, wants to hate the Porgs, but on the other hand, it was the first uh, Last Jedi toy I bought was a Porg <laughs> uh, pop figure. So, I oh do yes, like yes. So. Ah, it's just a point. They're harmless. Well, unless They're they harmless. step on a lightsaber, then you don't really know what's going to happen. <laughs> anything can happen. <laughs> yeah, anything can happen. There. So you're watching, you enjoy Ewoks. Vader yeah, Emperor, you said that got very, very intense. How did you feel about Anakin's uh, return, if that's what you want to call it? Vader turning back to the light, throwing Emperor Palpatine down the shaft and saving the galaxy. Yeah, I. you know, it's, it's funny because... Um, I don't know if it's because it was a simpler time or whatever, but that was redemption enough, right? He um, he did his thing. He he took care of the emperor. He saved his son, and he's a good guy now. And um, yeah, we love that. And but it, you know, it's kind of interesting having lived through all three movies and a very impressionable part of my life, um, and having seen Darth Vader, who was just a cool bad guy from Star Wars. To Empire Strikes Back, where he became sort of a super villain, to Return of the Jedi, where he had a redemption arc. Um, I don't feel like he had a redemption arc in Empire. In Empire, he was just he was just bad. Um, he was just evil. Um, but it, it it all worked. It really it worked really well. And so um, uh, seeing him do that, and then seeing his mask come off, um, I think it, again I. It's the sort of credit that that George Lucas doesn't get enough credit for is to have such a gentle, kind old man underneath that mask was so powerful. Um, Because at the beginning of Empire, of course, you saw this horribly scarred head. You didn't really even know it was under there. And to have that that those gentle eyes look back at Luke was really, I think, you know, even as a 13 year old, it kind of struck me in a way that was. It was unexpected. I think part of me, like the, like the the wanna be tough guy kid, wanted to see like a skull with blood and and gore. Um, but it was much more effective as you know somebody looked more like my grandfather than than some hideous monster, and it it really worked really well. And and I think it's important because you're able to come to terms with that redemption at that point, right? If he was still a monster under the mask, it would you. You would probably take it a little bit differently, but it was we. Were, I, I remember being, you know, on the edge of my seat to see him throw him over the the edge, and then on the when Luke was about to take that mask off, it was like, what's going to be under there? And it was it was really uh, it was it was a much more powerful movie. Now at the end of the day, Return of the Jedi is probably not in my top five movies. I like it as a film. Um, at the time, I think it was it was. Um, it was much better, and as I'm talking about it with you, I'm realizing what it meant. Um, but um, it, it absolutely worked for that trilogy. And if you think about it, 
we kind of assumed that was it for Star Wars. And we didn't know, there was no plans for it to come back. There was no, you know, rumor, of course, yeah, there was always the rumors that there were going to be nine Star Wars movies or 12 Star Wars movies or whatever the number was going to be. Um, but the story ended. And if the movie ended there, if the series ended there and we never got another Star Wars movie, we could be satisfied with that. Um, and I think we kind of were. And then, um, and then we, 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 uh, we were just happy to have it, I think. And did how long after uh, Return of the Jedi were you still playing with those action figures? Did it last for a while, or did it did it did it end quickly for a thirteen? Yeah, you know, I think I think you know at that point, I think Star Wars kind of disappeared for a while. Shortly thereafter, I you know I think there was it was the summer of Star Wars. It was all Return of the Jedi, everything we could get, um, everything we could find. Um, but I I couldn't tell you exactly when it kind of ended but it wasn't i would imagine it it wasn't that far after that that star wars kind of kind of took a backseat to to everything else um and again i think it's because there was no there was no expectation that there was more to come so it was like all right that's a chapter that's closed it's it's done let's move on now that's so now you're entering what i like to refer to as the dark times (laughs) this is when when star wars kind of uh, vanished for a little while uh, yep. For some of us, more than others. For me, it was I watched it. Uh, I watched Return of the Jedi at Christmas because my family had a VHS tape where it was Return <laughs> of the Jedi, and after it was Christmas Vacation. So when it came time to watch Christmas <laughs> Vacation, I had to. I was in charge of fast forwarding Return of the Jedi, but I would always fast forward it. And for some reason, I remember this every year, at least three years in a row. I would. I don't know what I was thinking, but I would fast forward to Jabba's Palace, which is the beginning of the movie, sure. and right. then I would get sucked in. And yep. I would remember why I love Star Wars, but then I watch Christmas Vacation, and kind of f- not forget about it. But it would be, you know, I wouldn't be at the forefront anymore. It'd be like, right. kids back there, Ninja Turtles are in. Let's go, let's do this. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so for you, you're a little bit older than I was. So you have these dark times. When did when did you get out of the dark times? Was it the Thrawn trilogy? So when did the Thrawn trilogy come out? Was that like early nineties? It was early nineties. Yeah. Yeah, and so. Um, yeah, so I ended up getting back into Star Wars for a couple of reasons. Yeah, I, I remember reading the Thrawn, Thrawn series, and um, um, I enjoyed it. But I think you know one of the things about all those sort of EU novels in that time frame, um, and I've had this conversation with a couple of different people. Um, I don't consider myself a, a science fiction fan. Um, in fact, I, I spoke once when I was working with Star Wars Galaxy magazine uh, at a science fiction convention, a Star Trek convention, and I had a presentation about the um uh star wars is a myth i used to call it the uh the fairy tale for the generation that didn't have one and um so i started my presentation at a star, at a star trek convention by saying Sci- star wars is not science fiction and people literally got up and left like, <laughs> ah, if it's not sci-fi i don't care but um so um i kind of i was just i i enjoyed the thrawn novels i thought they were they were decent um you know they were they were very good, but I never really got into much of the novels because they were they were cool sci-fi stories. But I'm not a and, and quite honestly, I don't read as many of the the books even today as I would like. Just I just don't have the time. It's a big investment. Oh, yeah. um, but when the um, in the mid '90s, my uh, my father had uh, his science fiction horror trivia game come back out, or not come back out. He created it. I ended up doing 200 Star Wars questions from the original movies for this trivia board game that they created. Um, and at the same time, I started working at a company uh, 
doing uh, website design and building and i was like you know what? i could build a website what's something that i i like and i wanted to be i got back into star wars because i wanted to pursue my interest in writing and um so i wrote the trivia questions for my father's game um which lasted a couple of years and kind of fizzled they were sort of introducing a board game just as board games were completely dying if they could get back to this retro thing you know maybe they could they could bring it back but Rebrand it. Rebrand it. Yeah. Yeah. Smaller box. (laughs) Rebrand it. But um, so I I built this website in 1994 or five, I think, probably even a little bit earlier than that, Um, because what I wanted to do was for my dad's game, I was writing columns about Star Wars. And, um, you know, I had a a family friend whose little three year old I was introducing to the original Star Wars movies. And and so there was, you know, I felt like Star Wars was was still there somewhere. Um, And so I created this website called uh, Echo Base, which I think was either an AOL site or a GeoCity site or something like that. And um, and just started having conversations again with people and realizing that there were these people out there that were still Star Wars fans um, and they wanted to talk about Star Wars. And so that was my reconnection. And just about the same time, suddenly the special editions were being announced and there was rumblings that these prequel movies were coming out. And, um, and so I got back, but I was, uh, I, I think, you know, before Star Wars became sort of cool again, before the, the prequels, um, I was, I was collecting, I was trying to find as many of the older sort of Star Wars toys that I could find. Um, and I, I mean, I wasn't crazy about it. I wasn't Steve Sansweet level by any, any stretch, but I was trying to find, I was sort of trying to relive some of those older days and find some of these toys. And, um, so I had a, a small collection, a modest collection. Um, and, um, and so that was where I was spending my time. I was spending more of my time when the Power of the Force figures came back out in 95. That was a big deal. I really enjoyed those. And uh, But again, there was no movies. I was still watching the VHS versions of the films and trying to to relive them versus having something new to talk about. You, you mentioned Power of the Force, but there was no eBay, no Amazon, any of that. So right. How did you go about finding the older stuff? Did you just go to the garage sales? Down I, the I was and- literally, yeah, flea markets and garage sales, and you know, some guy would be selling an old, you know, Millennium Falcon that was missing the top or something, and um, you know, making just sort of finding those things, and and so, and that's kind of one of the reasons why you know my collection never really became anything too amazing because it was it was a lot of frankly junk that people were getting rid of but to me it was that connection to when i was you know seven eight nine ten eleven years old playing with the toys so um it was trying to find find you know sort of remnants of what still remained because all my stuff ended up just you know buried in neighbors yards and stuff because we were creating our own star wars stories yeah i got my yoda stuck in a tauntaun i don't even know what happened to that (laughs) it's gone it's gone i remember one day my falcon i had the you know, that huge Falcon. Yeah. Yep, yep. And it was gone one day and I went to go play with it. And my parents were like, Oh, we gave your star Wars stuff to charity. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, what? okay. So I have like five figures left. I'm like, and they're, now they're like, you know, we would have kept those. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Let's forget about that. Let's move on. Move on. So, <laughs> but it, so, it's funny. It just, just literally last night, a friend of mine uh, sends me a text and he's like, Hey, look what I found at my mom's house. And it was this Darth Vader uh, collector's case. 
And and I was like, are there any figures in it? He's like, I don't know. I didn't even open it. I'm like, open it up. He's sending <laughs> me pictures. And yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's funny. I still have a handful of just abused like Luke Skywalker, X-Wing pilot figures and, you know, Hoth general things. And yeah. um, and they're just, they're beat to crap. They're oh, yeah. like all the paints chipped off them. But they were well loved, which, you know, there are days where I kick myself. and I'm like, oh, if I'd only kept that snow speeder. But then I'm like, I had so much fun with it when I was a kid. That, that There's so much. You can't. It sounds so cliched, but you can't really put a value on that at all. So but that, that's the point of an action figure, especially when you're that age. Like my stormtrooper right. has no fingers on it and I still have it. And I, it's yellow, but I love it. And I, <laughs> exactly. it doesn't matter. Yep. Yeah. All right. But so. You started a website before the web is what we know it today. It, it was probably, honestly, one of the, if not the first Star Wars fan websites. And, um, yeah, I, and I did it because um, the job I was at at the time, I was, I was uh, an inside sales rep and just a really crappy job. But I remember uh, my boss was like, hey, have you heard of this internet thing? And I was like, oh, yeah, it's kind of interesting. And I wanted to be a writer. I loved computer programming and I loved uh, digital design. So the internet was doing all those things in once. And so I, I built this website and it was, you know, I had no idea what I, ideally I just wanted to put some of my Star Wars writing on something. And, um, and suddenly um, people were finding it and there were people who were like excited to talk to me about Star Wars. I was like, Oh wow, this is kind of cool. So uh, that's how that ended up happening. How was it talking back then online? Was it like, e- like email? Like how, how are those conversations? Chat boards? What, it, it was, was like much, bulletin was much boards, slower. Right? Yeah, yeah, so, <laughs> much slower. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it was. It was. Um, I had. It's funny. I had to figure out how to program an email form so people could send me questions, and I would, uh, I would try to respond to the questions, and I, I did like a little trivia game when, and you know, it was, it was, honestly, the strange thing is to say it was before Google, right? So my trivia questions that were on there, you actually had to know the answers in order to, to, uh, to answer them. So it was, uh, so when I did a trivia question, a trivia uh, contest, like people actually had to know, they couldn't just go Google the answers. So, uh, but it was, yeah, it was. Uh, it was so people were just sending me basically things through a form, an email form, and I'd respond to it that way. Yeah, that's so cool. But that actually led to uh, a huge moment in your life. Yeah, yeah. So I, I had um, because I was the only one of the only Star Wars websites at the time. Um, at the it, this was in like 1995, before the Star Wars special editions came out. Steve Sansweet was going around to different. Uh, conventions, Star Trek conventions mainly, um, and he was showing uh, uh, clips and slides from the Star Wars Special Editions, and so people wanted to know where he was. So they were contacting me because I was their only Star Wars connection, and and I would tell them, look, I have nothing to do with with uh, Lucasfilm, but uh, thanks for asking. If I find out, I'll let you know. And I got so many requests to find out where he was that I decided to call Lucasfilm directly, and uh, one afternoon I picked up the phone and I remember I said, um, I called and I got the, whoever answered the phone, I said, hey, I'd like to, uh, if you could get me uh, Steve Sansweet's itinerary where he's going to be at which conventions I'd like to put it up on my website. And I remember the person was like, you have a, a, a what? What now? What are you doing? And um, I was like, yeah, I have a, a website and people are asking where Steve's going to be. And they said, all right, hang on a minute. And they put me on hold. And I thought for sure they were just either going to blow me off or come back and be like, 
here, give us something to mail to. And next thing I know, it's Steve Sansweet on the phone with me. And um, they just put me straight through to his office. And we started talking. And I was explaining to him the same stories I just told you about. You know, I, I wanted to, to write and blah, 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 blah. The, the thing is, uh, the very long, short version of a, a very long story was I also ended up, I had finagled my way to get tickets to the premiere of uh, the IMAX movie called Special Effects, which was uh, directed and produced by Ben Burt. And, uh, you know, one of the selling factors of that was they created an IMAX version, re- recreated an IMAX version of the opening scene from Star Wars uh, with the uh, with the blockade runner and the Star Destroyer. And it was going to be premiered in New Jersey at the IMAX theater near us. So... Um, I had made them a deal where I would put a coupon on my website, one of the first digital coupons, probably printed on dot matrix printers all around New Jersey. Um, And in exchange, all I wanted was tickets to the premiere. And they're like, yeah, sure. Uh, So when I was talking to Steve, I said, hey, by the way, do you have anybody covering this event? He's like, no, but I'll tell you what, go to it, write about it. If it's good, uh, send me your other stuff. If it's good, I have more work that I can get done. um, And we'll see how it goes. So I, I went to the event. I talked to Ben Burt. Um, I, uh, I wrote this 150 word article and, uh, Steve liked it. He liked my other stuff. And next thing I know, I'm, uh, I'm writing, contributing regularly to Star Wars Galaxy magazine, which was phenomenal. Just such a stroke of luck. I couldn't believe it. I have to cite Akbar for a second before we get into Star Wars <laughs> Galaxy, because Ben Burt, for me personally, the first time I saw the Force Awakens in theater, when the lightsaber turned on, when Finn turned it on. Yep. I missed Ben Burt. Yeah. I, I heard it. And I, I don't know how many other people did. I've only spoken to a handful who have felt the same where I'm just, it's missing something. I feel like his fingerprints are so, like almost Lucas level on Star Wars. Yeah. Oh, without a doubt. So I just, I have to go all selfish on this. Can you just talk to me about that interview? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. No, he was, um, so I actually got to talk to him twice. I talked to him at, uh, at the special effects premiere and then a um, couple of issues into um, um, writing for Star Wars Galaxy magazine, there was a whole thing about the revisiting the sound design for the special editions. And he, you've seen him in interviews. He, he's so laid back and he was just so friendly. And, and I think I, I don't want to say he was excited that I was familiar with his secrets that he'd shared, but he seemed to appreciate that I I knew where some of these sounds came from, and and um, and he was just he was just such a he was as excited to see the films as I think everybody else was, and um, uh, I I feel like he's one of those guys that never took for granted what his job was. And to your point, I think I think that's part of the the thing that you miss about um, his sound design um, is I think now they. I, I don't want to take away from uh, Ren. I can't remember his name. The guy who does the sound now for for the the sequel sequels trilogy. Um, but it's much more digital, right? Whereas Ben Burt was literally going out. I mean, it's the old story of him, you know, finding the 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 wire and clanging it with a wrench to get the the famous laser sound. But um, there's such an it's so organic. The sound yeah. that came from Ben Burt is so organic. The Falcon sounds, uh, you know, my favorite Star Wars sound effect is sort of the, just the the little high pitched whine that hits just before the Falcon explosion of oh, yeah. the the jets. That's my favorite sound. Um, 
And you don't get that by mixing some digital sounds that you have around. You have to have found a tone that you want to bring into it. And he was just such a, a, a you know, it's it's funny. You you meet, there's a couple people that I've met that I've admired, not just in Star Wars. Like I, I ran into Lars Ulrich from Metallica, from Metallica at a restaurant in L.A. And, and he was very cool. And I was so relieved. Um, meeting Ben Burt. Uh, and when I met Rick McCollum, there they were what you would want them to be, which is such a relief because uh, oh, you hear cool. so many stories about meeting people, and you're like, oh, well, that shatters my image. But I can't, I cannot say enough nice things about Ben Burt because he was just, like I said, I feel like he was as excited to be a part of it as as I was to meet him and talk to him about what he did. That's amazing, and I, I should say too, like. Like the sound design in the in the, in the sequel trilogy. Oh, it's not which, bad. No, at all. and I could not even begin to do that. <laughs> so it's not, right, I'm not right, I'm not right, bashing right. it. It's just I I just listening to it. I felt like there was that piece, and and maybe that's just a period of time. It's a piece of time that will never get back because that's just how things have evolved now. And and yeah, that, that's yeah, how yeah. it is. Um, but so you're writing Star Wars Galaxy magazine. Yep. When did you find out that that the special editions were coming, and what was your reaction to that? It was um, the special editions. I had found out just around the time that I started writing for Star Wars Galaxy, and and actually, so I had ended up um, uh, the first time I met Steve Sansweet face to face after talking to him over the phone was at one of the he was I think it was might have been in Philadelphia. He was doing a one of the special edition pieces and so he and i got together and and met face to face and um and we talked a lot about the special editions and i became because i was i'm such a star wars fan and and became such a fan of special effects that sort of thing and sort of really became engrossed in in you know ben burt the sound design revisitation and 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 really got into that and and so not only was i learning about it but there were actually a couple local um there was a local uh, college radio show and a couple of things that called me and interviewed me about what I knew about what was happening, which was kind of cool. Um, but I was so excited to see them. And I remember, um, uh, sort of, it was honestly, it, it's an interesting thing to think about, but the special editions were the very first time we had any sort of star Wars backlash. We are, we're so used to it now, but when, when Greedo shot first or the, um, you know, even the job of the hut scene, uh, which you know honestly does not work as well as I wish it would. Um, but we were we were just excited to see that stuff. You know, yeah. there was so much excitement. I think it was an interesting combination of um, our favorite movies coming back after twenty years. Um, the uh, the the prospect of what could be done in this post Jurassic Park world from a special effects perspective. Um, and then just sort of, again, I think it's, it was just that opportunity to get back and see these movies in the theaters and to see them again in the theaters with, you know, 500 people versus four of your best friends on a couch was a completely different way to see the movies. I, so I was in high school when the special editions dropped came out and I, 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 I wasn't around any backlash for them. Oddly enough, that was just, where where my life was at in that one, but I remember being super excited for Jabba being in. Oh, and what yeah, I found out was a new hope. It. Yeah, it was the best, and uh, and and uh, I to this day will maintain that it is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I do like they the, they redesigned them in twenty 
12? Yeah, 11? right. Yep. He looks yeah. a lot better, but Han still walking over the tail is still. That's still pretty still. cool. But yeah. I think when you look at the saga as a whole, that scene now makes a lot of sense. Like, oh, yeah. maybe the execution, so but yeah, the scene is, yeah. It's, yeah. All, it's awesome. Uh, so you watched all three of those with your dad in the theater. I did. I, and it, we actually, we, um, there were two, two opportunities. There's one time, one, one time was we went to, uh, me, him and my mother actually all went to uh, one of the screenings where all three movies were played, uh, in one day, <laughs> which was a, a long, a much longer day than I thought it would be, but it was oh, yes. great to do. Um, but what was cool was because I was working with Star Wars Galaxy magazine, I was able to go to the New York uh, premiere of the special edition of New Hope, and I took my dad, which was very oh, cool, to, cool to be able to take my dad to go see uh, the movies that he took me to see when I was a kid in, at the Ziegfeld Theater in New York City, which was really wild. But what was cool about that was, again, it was that sort of reimagining, and, and I tell anybody who will ask, if, you know, when... Rise of Skywalker comes out. If there's an opportunity to see the original movies in the theater, you have to go do it. You have to go see it with 500 fans. It's just, it's a completely, the movie's completely different. The only, the only movie Star Wars movie I have not seen in the theater is Return of the Jedi, which is my favorite Star Wars movie. I just, when the special edition came out, uh, my grandmother was sick. Uh, so uh, I was just unable to go. So hopefully yeah. one day I can see that one in there before they alter it anymore. If the, <laughs> yeah. I, I want to, I'm, I can't wait to see. I, it was playing at Star Wars Celebration Chicago. I think they always show the movies somewhere. Okay. And I didn't go. So, <laughs> so of course, of course, I saw it. I was like, oh, I'm never going to see this movie in the theater because I, I do want I because like I grew up watching them on VHS sure. or on TV, yep. and then when I saw. Uh, a new hope in the theater. I think that was the first movie movie I ever saw the special edition with cheering in the theater. There was yeah. this excitement in the air for a movie that it was 20 years old at the time that everyone yep. had seen at least 50 times. Yep. And no one cared. We were all there to experience for the first, first time. Yeah. Yeah. And there's something about that very first movie that, um, like every time Luke goes down the trench, something in my head says there's still a chance he's going to miss. There's still a chance that's suck. I don't know why that works, but it does every single time. So and better just, than any other movie, any of the other movies. Yep. And it's so simplistic. Oh yeah. It's so simple. It's just a great achievement. I think just everything about it is just wow. Just great. yeah. I, I do know someone that just purchased the uh, unalt the original version of it on Blu-ray because you can buy those at conventions now where they yep. they took the original film print and put on and and his comment was. I like it, but Tatooine is so bare. <laughs> like, there's nothing going on. It's just yeah, it's a desert. It was '77. It was a desert. That that's it. So did you did you appreciate those movies the exact same, or or did you were you did you have backlash of your own, or could you see past? Even though I know you said the Jabba thing didn't work as well as it should, or you hoped. Yeah. Could you see past that, or were you kind of? Well, I, I'm I'm an unabashed fanboy, so I've never honestly had a problem with even even though like for example I went uh, Phantom Menace, which is a step or two ahead probably in our conversation, but um, I never really have a major problem with any of them, and so I I see through the flaws um, absolutely. I mean, yeah, if I'm looking at it as a film critic or even a film technology critic, the Stormtrooper on the Dewback looks awful, um, but it's really awesome. <laughs> so, uh, I yeah, I went into every one of them, and I was so excited. And it's funny when you have a conversation with somebody who 
wants to not like it. When you have a conversation with somebody who wants to hate the Ewoks, like instead of fighting it, I'm just kind of like, okay, yeah, that's, yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna bother to defend it because it's, it's not life or death. But yeah, I mean, I, I accept it for what it is. I mean, there's, there's special effects problems with the prequels that, I, I cringe when I look at, it, but I don't care because it's, it's my favorite movies and it's my favorite stories. So, so I'm, I'm kind of okay with it. The prequels are amazing, so let's just get that out of the way. <laughs> uh, well, actually, let's let's go into the prequels because we're talking. Sure. This is a great conversation, uh, but it's going long. So let's go into <laughs> the prequels here. Uh, special editions aside, now it's okay. Lucas is is uh, coming through on his promise, which I gotta side act by one more time. Is in here in Canada in Toronto, we have a television channel called uh, City TV. I think it's now uh-huh. called City, but it used to be City TV in the eighties, and in and in the nineties. If you were up past midnight, which as a teenager I was a lot, they would have this. They would rewind the show called Rewind, and they would take you back to the '80s, and they would just literally go chronologically through the years. Uh-huh. And one day, randomly, I watched this thing. I don't know why, and it was 1984. And the host of of the news back then was this uh, anchor called Dini Petty, who had a talk show later on. Shout out to all the Canes, I know. And <laughs> um, and and she was uh, interviewing Harrison Ford. Mm-hmm. And she goes, so what about these uh, new Star Wars movies that George Lucas is promising us? These uh, these prequel ones. And Harrison Ford's comment was, George knows how I feel about that. <laughs> and that was, and they went into Indiana Jones, and that was that, uh, which was great. But now that promise is coming through, and we are getting episode one. Yeah. Where were you? I don't know if you know this, but where were you when you knew when you found out, discovered the title, The Phantom Menace, and what was your impression? I think I probably saw it on, uh, do you remember the website, Ain't It Cool News? Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, I think I saw it there. Um, it's funny because my website predated him. Um, and then I just, I ended up kind of getting out of it for whatever reason. And I remember seeing that and I remember thinking, um, you know, if, if I'm being totally honest, I was like, what the hell does that mean yeah. right it wasn't like i could buy a new hope and even i mean honestly if you think about it a new hope kind of fits in that same kind of category of what kind of a title yeah. for a standalone film is that but um i uh I, I remember kind of being surprised by it but um again that same sort of honest mindset of yeah it's weird and i see a bunch of people complaining about it but Bring it. Let's see it. Let's see what it all means. Let's see what it does. And I'm sure I'm going to love it. Yeah, I had the same feeling where I was like, that doesn't sound very Star Warsy. Now, right. 20 years later, it totally so makes st- sense. Yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, <laughs> perfect. It's perfect. So what, what about the, the first teaser trailer? Did you spend three hours downloading the QuickTime of that? <laughs> I, was, I was telling uh, uh, Bill Sheehy, uh, I, I think I was on his show when I was telling him this story, where um, – I remember because back back in those days it was the old dial-up, and I remember I started downloading it before I left for work that morning. And when I came home ready to watch it, um, there was some sort of glitch because you know it was 1997, 99, 98, um, and it didn't download. Um, so I was so pissed off it ruined my ruined my night. And then I started again and had to watch it the next morning. But um, I remember seeing pictures of it, and I actually I went to go see uh, the tale of Benjamin Button just to see uh, the the uh, the preview, or just to see uh, the trailer. And um, the thing I remember most is um, the 
the scene that the the bit from the trailer that I remember most is the uh, Anakin Skywalker meet Ben Kenobi and uh, or and Obi Wan Kenobi. Sorry, he yeah. wasn't Ben yet. Um, and I remember I was like, oh, that is so cool. That's great. And um, you know, I didn't know what to think of the the Gungans and, and all that, you know, of course there was no, nothing, we knew nothing about it. And, um, but I remember just that, that, pe- I mean, I remember the whole trailer, like top to bottom, I could see it again in my head. Um, but, um, that was the part that I remembered most. And I was just, I was so excited and, and I couldn't wait to see it. Well, as someone who was there from the beginning, that scene is the one, if you go back to a new hope, the Obi-Wan speech in his little hut, that's yep. the moment you're like, this is going to kick everything off. That's it. It's such a, yep. it's the more, you know, the movies aren't entrenched with them. The more important that whole interaction is. And the more I can see in the trailer, you're like, it, all the action pieces aside, that would be the moment that would, that would pull, pull me the most. For me, it was just the gun get in the swamp. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think about that, like that was the first image we saw from, from new star Wars was this, this foggy swamp and yeah. these guys on these creatures and, that was really cool. And it, it, I don't know how you felt watching it, but when I saw it, I The Phantom Menace, it might, for me it is, but for most people it's not their favorite prequel film. But I still feel there's a part of it that feels almost more Star Wars-y than the next two prequels. Yeah, I can see that. I think maybe part of it is because it's so much on Tatooine. Yeah. Um, I, I think... Um, yeah, I, I, that's an interesting point. I, I, I think I agree with you, but I don't know why. I, it's yeah, it's, I don't know either. Yeah, maybe Qui Gon, because he's so maybe tattooing. I, I, yeah. I think it's you know Attack of the Clones is so CGI heavy, um, and um, Revenge of the Sith is that story we waited to see for twenty years. So um, yeah, I think I, I can't put my finger on it, but I, I think I agree with you on that one. When you first saw the movie, you're in the theater now with your dad. You're watching it. Star Wars hits the screen. Yeah. You're 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 20 years older than the seven year old that saw New Hope. Yep. This movie is definitely made for that 12 year old. Yep. Where's your mindset? How did you feel coming out of that theater? So I actually was at the New York City charity premiere for. Uh, the Phantom Menace. I was covering it for Star Wars Galaxy magazine. And um, so I'm in the theater, not just seeing Star Wars, but I'm at this beautiful theater in New York City, surrounded by celebrities and surrounded by people who are in the movie. Like Natalie Portman was a handful of rows away from me. Pre-president Donald Trump was in there, Glenn Close, uh, all these people. Um, And so my perception of that movie, seeing it the first time, is colored by... Um, not just my excitement to see the movie, but my excitement to be in this really unique experience. Um, and so um, I, I hope I'm not telling a story that you've heard before. You're probably, probably not. But so, um, so I'm in the theater and I remember there was literally a buzz of excitement because, you know, I don't care if you're Donald Trump or Natalie Portman or uh, uh, John Leguizamo, who was near me as well. You're excited to see Star Wars, right? This is Star Wars is coming back. All these years, it's promised it's returned. Um, so there was excitement. The opening crawl comes, and people are like, I don't know what they're talking about with the Trade Federation <laughs> and stuff. I wasn't expecting this, but that's cool. Um, and then um, the Nemoidians come out with their 
politically incorrect accent, I guess maybe the best way to put it. And you could almost feel the excitement level of the theater dip. Oh, wow. Um, because I don't, I mean, honestly, this is a weird thing to say, but it's 100% true. I literally felt for a fleeting moment that like this was a joke and the real movie was going to start in a minute. Um, and it's weird to to admit that now in hindsight, but it, it, I do remember actually literally having that feeling like, wait a minute, what's what am I seeing here? Um, but, you know, I think the movie itself has aged very differently for me, but I think first of all you had there was such expectation for this movie there was so much um anticipation and what this movie should be for the fans who've been fans for 20 years and have been waiting since they were seven to see this era that as i walked out of the theater um i've told this story before uh i'm walking out of the theater and behind me is uh christian slater who was one of my favorite actors at the time and um uh, I, you know, I, first of all, I was like, I was, I was wearing a suit cause I didn't know what to wear to a premiere. You know, everybody else was like cool New York and, and I'm like <laughs> wearing a suit, like with a vest. I didn't know. Um, I, let me say this. I did not look cool at all, but I was, <laughs> I was in the best. But so I turned to Christian Slater who looks at me, who's like, who is this guy? And, um, why is he here? And should I know him? And I said, Christian, what did you think of the movie? Because I was like, when am I going to get to talk to Christian Slater yeah. again? This isn't going to happen again. Um, and he looks at me, again, like, dude in a suit, don't know who he is. Is he a reporter? Is he an agent? Who is he somebody I should know? And he looks at me and he goes, visually stunning. And that was his, his only response to the movie. And in hindsight, it's the perfect answer, right? Because you don't have to say the movie was good or bad. There's no denying that at the time it was probably the most visually stunning movie ever created. Um, and uh, I was talking to um, uh, to Jason Ward and and Randy on now this is podcasting about this experience. And I don't know if you recall, but nobody knew who was going to play Anakin in the next movie. Yeah. There were actually rumors that Kristen Slater would could have been that role. So in his mind too, he was like, "Yeah, it could be in this movie." Um, but that was, I think. For me, I walked out of that movie talking myself into loving it because I wanted to love it. The second time I saw it, I saw it, I saw all the flaws that have become sort of what it's known for for those that want to find flaws, right? Some of the flat acting and blah, blah, blah. Um, but the movie has aged really well for me. And I now, I there was a point where I, I didn't really want to watch it. And now actually, I, I really kind of enjoy it. And I think it's partially because of what you said before. It's very. At the time, it wasn't as Star Warsy to me, and now it's it's all Star Wars to me, and it's a it's a really um, it really it it sets the table really well. I think what George Lucas does or did better than anybody was he made these timeless tales. In a yeah, lot of, like they're they're timeless. That you watch it, you watch New Hope, you watch Empire, you watch Jedi, Phantom Menace. It doesn't matter how long how much time has passed; they still feel the same. It, they, yeah, they don't age really. They they're just okay. I well, and that's the that's the the over talked about but one hundred percent correct benefit to doing a movie that takes place a long time ago yes. versus a future movie, right? So any movie that takes place, I mean Terminator, I love Terminator, but those days are past. I love Back to the Future, but you know we've already passed the date yeah. from Back to the Future. So um, 
so you, they truly they, they're timeless from that respect but they also they just they look they don't look like anything that you can compare them to which yeah. is which is what works and that's the amazing thing about the star wars universe is you can anything that's been coming out whether it's clone wars cartoon or um or any of the movies or what looks like the mandalorian it doesn't look like it it feels like it belongs there and it doesn't matter if it was made in 2019 or if it was made in 1977 exactly it's just it's star wars that's what it's its yeah, own it's its own that's what it is star wars that's right so if phantom menace comes and goes you liked it uh you liked it less than you wanted to admit is that fair to say yeah i think i i dis i liked it less than i i talked myself into liking it and then i became comfortable with not liking it and then i started <laughs> to really like it a lot and, i like that you became comfortable uh, with not liking it You're like guys it's good <laughs> I yeah don't like no, this movie anymore. you know what we'll just we'll go with it let's see what <laughs> happens next yeah so where's yeah. your anticipation for attack of the clones i i think it was it was a little bit reduced because of the the um my group this you know the same best friend of mine that we we're so excited to talk about what's going to happen between Empire and Jedi. Um, the same conversations were not as strong be- before uh, uh, Attack the Clones, but I think there was this kind of uh, there was a different layer that was that didn't exist in the '70s, and that was '70s and '80s, and that was um, we we kind of hoped they got it right. Right, and I hate to I hate to say that because now I I look back differently at it, but at the time, if I'm being honest with my my opinion, I think we were like, all right, Phantom Menace was was not exactly what we expected, but this one's gonna be it. This one's gonna yeah. work. Um, and and plus, you know, now you're starting to get into the Clone Wars, this thing that we were promised for so many years. So we expected to see the Clone Wars. I mean, it's Attack of the Clones, and um. And so the anticipation for that was was huge, especially then when we saw a picture of this blue Boba Fett, which oh, looked yeah. pretty cool, and um, and and you know clips of what these clone troopers might look like. That's it, we the expectation was super high. Well, the name Phantom Menace might have thrown you off, but how how into Attack of the Clones were you? Well, again, again, we expected it to be clone the Wars. start of the Clone Wars, yeah. and and. Um, and I think that's that's where that movie missed. Now, it's cliched to say that Attack of the Clones is the least loved of the Star Wars films, um, but um, to me, it's I think it falls to the bottom of my list. Now, um, as I was saying before, I'm really curious to see how I see it, seeing it with my daughter who's never yeah. seen that movie, and seeing if I see it differently. Um, but to me, I always felt like. Um, Phantom Menace should have been um, the Qui-Gon Jinn movie and Attack of the Clones should have been the Obi-Wan Kenobi movie and Revenge of the Sith should have been Anakin's movie and I think part of the problem with Attack of the Clones is um, it tried to be so many different things and it just it couldn't settle on what it wanted to be as a film Uh, yeah for me, we do every New Year's Day, we do a top 10 rankings of the, or a top, I guess it was 10 this year. We, yeah. Every year we do a top however many live action films there are. And uh, so we, we every, there's like five to 10 of us, we, or now it's even more because of our patrons, we, we include them. But we, we kind of add them all up. So if you, mm-hmm. if you vote Return of the Jedi 1, it gets 10 votes. You know, so we add it up. Attack of the Clones every time is at the bottom. 
But this year, I'm going to admit, admit this because I don't care. Attack of the Clones, <laughs> Attack of the Clones was in my top five. Really? I said, yeah. You, and you know what? So the way I do my list is just like Jason Fry said on your show is it's his is his tenth favorite, right? Right. So right. what I do is I'm like, if I'm going to put in Star Wars today in my VCR, DVD, Blu-ray, digital, whatever, what am I going to? What do I want to watch? Right. And that's how I do it. And Attack of the Clones. There was a period of time when it was the one that I always wanted to watch. And when hmm. people mention Star Wars to me, my mind, and I don't know why, there's a few things, but the first thing it goes to is that chase, the speeder chase on Coruscant against Zam Wessel at the beginning right. with Django. Yeah. And it goes to that. And if my mind goes to that, I, I hate the droid factory sequence. I don't even want to talk about that. But, <laughs> but, but, like, but if my mind is going to that one sequence, and I think about that movie very fondly, and I and when I first saw it, I saw the Midnight Show, and I was very disappointed in that movie. Yeah. And now I'm like, but I want to watch it. <laughs> like I, I just I genuinely want to watch Attack of the Clones. Skip the Droid Factory, but watch the movie. I just yeah. It it uh it's it, it's weird. I don't know what it, I haven't watched it with a kid. I it, like no one has changed my mind. It's just me. I've just kind of grown I, into it. I guess. I think the thing that's I think that might, that might make it more watchable for me is the fact that there is so much Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan Kenobi yeah. in that movie. And uh, Ewan has come to own that character. And, and you know, again, I feel like like The Last Jedi is a very small-ish story, personal story. I feel like Attack of the Clones, if they weren't so hell-bent on creating a love story between Anakin and Padme, it could have been a really cool sort of uncovering the mystery of of who ordered the clones and all this other thing. And it would have been a cool Obi-Wan movie. Um, so to that end, yes, I would watch it just because I love I love Obi-Wan. And General Grievous, I didn't like the first time I saw him, but I've come to really kind of dig his character. I don't know why. I just like him a lot. Um, so, um, yeah, I, 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 again, I'm really curious because this weekend I'm going to watch it with my daughter. And I'm really curious to see how it strikes me now. Oh, I can't wait to – you got to tell me how that goes. Oh, I'll let you know. I'll send know. you a message. Because uh, <laughs> it's just – it's grown on me. But so, so like you said, you're watching this movie. It's not the Clone Wars. Right. They create clones from Boba – well, Jango Fett, but it's Boba Fett. They're kind of shoehorning them in there. Like, oh, right. Boba's in here. Everybody applaud. <laughs> Jar Jar's role is basically nothing. Yep. I mean, he does yep. create the empire, but what it's you know he's very yeah, he does it, very it's, very. It's little. all his fault. Yeah, yeah, it is. I love. I, I that's what I think is the genius of George Lucas. He's like, oh, you didn't like Jar Jar? Guess what? He's the most important character in this story. <laughs> <laughs> Take it. Uh, so you were disappointed by it, though. Yeah. Obviously, were you more disappointed by by this than the Phantom Menace, or did, or did you still feel like it was a, a step up? I, th I think I felt like it was a step up because I felt like it was, um, again, by my current standards, it's not. But at the time, um, I think I, I felt there was because I felt like there was more action in it or something. Mm -hmm. There was more. Um, yeah. I And, you know, I mean, it had that gigantic, weird fight at the end with 100 Jedi swinging sabers oh, yeah. and an arena and everything so i think there was more more to latch on to an attack of the clones i mean i i still i hate to be cliched but i still can't dig the the yoda jumping around like a frog scene but um but i did i you know i did like when it was dooku against uh obi-wan and anakin i thought that was kind of a cool fight so 
Um, yeah, I think there's just more to kind of latch on to for some reason, or there was at the time. Well, I understand that as the more I watch it, I, I latch. There is, it, it's got moments, you know, it, it does have the moments. And I think the sum of all the parts, when you put all what will be 9, 11, depending how you look at it together, I think they do work very well. I yeah. think, and that's and that's what I think when you start with four, five, and six, and and those ones are so iconic. I think that's when you kind of lose out on one, two, and three a little bit. Yeah, and and it's it's curious to see the, like your daughter's perspective going like watching all of them now, like just yep. how it's going how it's going to be because you know her her she won't have any opinions. She'll be unopinionated going into it. Right. right? So yeah, it's pure. It's a it'll be a pure thought and opinion and i think that's a great one to have i yeah so please let me know how that goes yeah, i definitely will unless definitely she comes will. out that was the worst thing i've ever seen i why'd you yeah. make me watch that if she know. if she says it will know it's true yeah well that's you know i <laughs> well i mean not to you but to no to to, yeah everybody else <laughs> to everybody else but, yeah. yeah i'll still maintain it's the best but you know i watched uh the rise of skywalker trailer with my nine-year-old nephew uh-huh and when kylo ren stabs that guy in the woods yeah he just goes he's he's a good guy now like his mind, no, he, you know, he's not, in, he, there's no impressions on him. No one right. said anything. That's just where his mind went. Yeah. Like, okay. I, you, you probably know more than I do because, because the mind <laughs> of a child, right? Like just innocent. Right. Like you see it for what it is at face value. Whereas I'm like, well, in that scene, if actually you look at the framing, that would be, <laughs> you'll notice there's some stormtroopers running in the background. So perhaps there's, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. The stormtroopers are pointed parallel to, <laughs> Okay, well, we'll just bypass the rest of Attack of the Clones. We, you've seen it. You've moved on from it. Yes. Uh, when did you stop with uh, Star Wars Galaxy Magazine? Um, it was uh, pretty soon after um, uh, uh, Phantom Menace. Um, there was a couple... It was interesting. There was a, um, a situation where um, I think I just kind of got burned out. Um, I had a, a story that I was writing for the Star Wars Adventure Journal and the Star uh, for which was for West End Games, and I was really excited about that. And I was really going, and you know, it's like um, uh, when you're excited about something and then it doesn't happen, you kind of get a little bit turned off. And so my story was about to be published, and then West End Games got out of the Star Wars business literally overnight, and so my story never saw the light of day. So I kind of got like a little bit. It's hard. It's it's depressing now, and I look back and I'm like, geez, I wish I didn't get sort of turned off but i was turned off by the whole situation so um so i i think the last thing i covered was um um was officially was around the phantom menace however i kept all my connections and i did go to the new york premiere of um of attack of the clones and uh revenge of the sith as well so i was at least still a part of it i just wasn't you know getting paid by the word to enjoy it so so, Revenge of the Sith. The best title of the prequel trilogy, is that fair to say? Yeah, I would agree with that, yes. Um, yeah. Maybe even of the of the saga so far. Yeah, I might say that. Yeah. It's, it's up there. It's definitely a, it's powerful. It's a good one. Yeah. So, you're going to Revenge of the Sith. You know how it's going to end. That's the one thing that the prequels had going maybe against it was we yep. knew where it was all going. And um, so, you go in. War hits the screen on the crawl. Yeah, yep. Just can you just walk me through your experience watching that one? Yeah, so that one I actually I went to uh, the city with um, to New York City to see that premiere with um, with my best friend who I saw Return of the Jedi and Empire Strikes Back with. I took him in to see it, and um, my brother-in-law, who is a who's an average Star Wars fan, right? He 
he likes it, but he's not as you know he's not over the top like like you and I are, and um, and so we were at the the premiere for that, and that was a, a ton of fun. And I remember, I think that I still think that that opening fight sequence in the uh, in space, it I I can watch that over and over and over and over and over again. And that was it was overwhelming, but it was so well done. Um, and I was drawn in immediately. You know, it's funny like. With uh, Attack of the Clones, I remember that the camera pans up instead of yeah. down, and that was jarring. And to me, that sort of says everything you need to know about Attack of the Clones. It's it's a Star Wars movie, but it's different. I Whereas, thought it was a weird choice. To be, like, it's still a weird choice to this day. That's the only I, one. The only one. And I think they were trying to, like, I don't even know what they were trying to do, but <laughs> I, um, it didn't work for me. But... Um, that opening battle, yeah, you're you're sucked in, and that and things just that movie just it starts there, and it's pretty relentless. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I remember I I felt like pieces of the the final um, uh, lightsaber battle, I felt like were a little drawn out, but I still just loved it because that was that scene we had been waiting for for twenty five years, um, and so. Um, it was just, it was, it, it kind of, we walked out of that one kind of like, okay, the prequels redeemed themselves, right? Because, you know, for, again, the mindset I was in, in for those movies at the time is very different than where I am now with those movies. Um, but to me, it was like, okay, they, they got it right. They, they really, they did everything they were supposed to. They delivered on all the promises. Um, I didn't agree with all the story choices, but I, you know, I totally, unlike Last Jedi fans who, you know, yell and abuse people who don't agree with them, but I, um, I, I walked out and I was like, yeah, that was, they did it. The prequels came together by the time they had all ended. So it was, it was a, a very, a devastatingly sad ending that was really a happy ending for Star Wars fans because it was what we wanted. Yeah. And look, Luke and Leia went to their, their homes. So it yep. all works out in the end. If you right. see if if you're gonna watch episode four after that, and if you're not, right. it, it sucks. <laughs> now Star Wars is over. Yep, it's done. Revenge of the Sith. That's it. Done. Not gonna happen. It's all over. That's right. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so where were you in fandom at that point? Did you kind of just slip away from it? Did you stick with it for a little bit? So yeah, I kind of you know I was still kind of I was with it for a while. Um, it was, you know, the funny thing is about about Star Wars is it's always it's always been there in one form or another for me. It's always been, um, uh, you know, I've always been a, a, you know, drawn to, you know, you're walking through a garage sale and you know my wife's looking at, I don't know, kitchen utensils or pillows and I'm like, they have an old snow speeder here. I think I'm gonna. <laughs> so it's always it's always there. Um, and then my my uh, my kids were born, and I uh, I introduced my daughter at like three years old, which is probably bad parenting to the original Star Wars, and probably um, great parenting. She wasn't as into it, but yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll take it for that. Um, and uh, yeah, so I had kind of it was you know again it was kind of always there, but there was you know I mean until the announcement of the Disney acquisition, there was there was no hope. That, that we were going to ever see Star Wars again. I mean, that was it. We had these books and we had these, um, we had, uh, I guess was the Clone Wars, were they, were they done 
by the time that came out, I can't remember. Clone Wars is still going on during the Disney acquisition. That's when they okay. they axed it. They said no more, and then the fans cried yeah. out, and they were like, "It's coming back. Don't worry." We yeah. Love yeah. So yes, but there was still not. You know, it wasn't. I I enjoyed the Clone Wars, but I wasn't as yeah. crazy about them as as I might have been. Did you know that that like, were you into like the still like the the rumors and and the underground knowing of you know they're going to make the star wars underworld live action tv show and it was going yeah to be the most expensive and i was show. yeah and i was also waiting for the uh the 1313 video game yes. and that sort of thing and so yeah so i was kind of connected to to that and there was always hope for that but it was like it's a it had a different feel to it because it was a sort of branching off from from the movies and it's it's funny that even with the highest quality television series and uh animation series there's still something to those tentpole movies that's just so important yeah, absolutely and I, that's what i think we'll go into this later on but the, the solo solo for me is i loved solo mm-hmm. but it didn't have that tentpole event film feel to it yeah uh, i would say the same thing for rogue one yep they're yeah. good movies but they weren't that yeah they weren't they didn't have the same sort of uh weight I think the difference with Rogue One and Solo is Rogue One was the first of these spinoffs, so everybody was kind of like, "Whoa, let's find out what this yeah, is." Yeah, what's going to happen? Yeah, yeah. Yep. Whereas Solo was like, "Yeah, yeah, I'll catch it later," and yeah. they did, and they did. <laughs> Their wallet they spoke. Yeah, yep. they, they definitely did. Okay, so Star Wars is dead. Um, you're in the the second dark times now, mm-hmm. and Disney has. I'll never forget where I was. I was sitting at my desk at work, just twiddling on my. I think it was on my phone. Mm-hmm. Disney to acquire Lucasfilm, $4 billion. I think I threw my phone at the floor and I call, I, I, I send a message to my, my dad and my friend Brock, who I do Rebel Scum podcast with. And I'm like, oh uh-huh. my God. And they were like, seriously, like this. <laughs> and it was super exciting from what I thought was just because of what they were able to do with Iron Man at the time and, and the Marvel characters, which I don't even think it was called the MCU yet. It might've been, but yeah. the early stages. And I was like, I, I 100% trust Disney getting star wars so do you know where you were and what your initial thoughts were on that <laughs> totally i think it was um i think it was after hurricane sandy which was a big deal on the east coast um and we didn't have power in my house so my son was a couple months old and so my wife son and daughter who was three years old we're staying at my brother-in-law's because he had power. And I was like pretending I was living in the wilderness waiting for the <laughs> zombie apocalypse, staying at my house. I was like, nobody's going to take my house. And um, and I, <laughs> so I had my phone and um, I was flipping through social media and I saw it pop up. And my initial reaction was, this is great. This is great, great news. And, and um, you know, of course, it's so funny. It was sort of like the beginning of the, the Internet trolls from that day because immediately there were people like, ah, Disney and Star Wars, they're going to ruin it. And I was like, how come people are so angry about this already? They know nothing about it. I was just so excited to know that we're going to get 7, 8, and 9. And, and um, yeah, I, I to me it was nothing but great news. Yeah, they, they immediately said, oh, we're going to do Episode 7, and Michael Arndt's writing it. What? <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. Where, where did this come from? <laughs> yep. Yeah. It's like there is not only were they telling us that Disney bought Lucasfilm, but we have a movie coming out that you've been waiting for for 15 years and it's already in production or pre-production. And it was like, well, what? This was great. So, yeah. Yeah. It was just, it was, it was such a wild time. And, and it was like, okay, what, what is next? How did you feel though? Cause George Lucas, like the prequels or not, 
it's him. The Star Wars is so <laughs> so Lucas, right? Like like yeah. all all six of them at the time were so George Lucas. So how did you feel about his involvement kind of not being involved? Well, coming off the prequels, I remember me and uh, a couple of my writer friends, one of the things we had said was um it would have been great if George Lucas was to hand off his story to somebody else to to write. So I was excited to hear it because I've always been of the mindset that whether it was the prequels or stories that were unrelated to the saga, I would have loved to have seen him say, here you go, try this out and see what you do with it. Mm-hmm. And so to me, it was it was very exciting. I was actually, you know, again, I was still not in the same spot that I am today with the prequels. And so um, not, I, not to say I, did, I, I didn't enjoy them. I was, you know, starting to, to come around. But I still was of this mindset that George gave us the prequels and they weren't everything we wanted them to be. And so, yeah, let's see what somebody else can do with this universe. At the, uh, uh, in fairness, though, uh, we didn't. I didn't know what somebody could do with this universe. Yeah. We there was, you know, there's no precedent for that up until you know JJ came out with the Force Awakens. So, um, it was it was a little bit uh, unsettling, but at the same time, super exciting to me. Yeah, I, I agree with that because it was my one thing was okay. Is this just going to feel like a fan film? Like, what is going? Right. What is this going to be? I was so curious about it. But what I, I, I want to get into the movie, and, and we are running late. But but I got it. But for me, because a lot of people say, "Oh, I wanted Luke, Han, and Leia." I never. It's weird for me, and maybe because of my love for the prequels, mm-hmm. um, that's not where my mind initially went. I didn't yeah. even like. I couldn't even think of what they were going to do. I knew obviously Han, Luke and Leia were going to be involved, especially when they said Harrison Ford was coming back. I thought that was a huge yeah. deal, especially going back to the interview that I told you that I saw uh, from yep. 84. I thought that was a massive deal. And immediately I said, well, he's going to get killed off because that's just how it's well, yeah. Well, he wanted that back in return of the Jedi. Exactly. So I was and, not surprised. Yep. Yeah. You knew that was coming. So let's give cuts Kylo Ren some slack. He was just doing Harrison Ford a favor. He had to kill him. Yeah. But what did you have expectations going into seven? Now, I, like you, I I didn't expect to see. You know, we. I think it was. Um, you know, after seeing Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull. Yeah. I was kind of like, I finally. It was the first time I kind of came to terms with the fact that my childhood heroes were aging, <laughs> and so I, I expected honestly to see a bigger role for for Mark Hamill. Um, but I wasn't. I I knew and actually wanted to see some new characters. Um, so um, yeah, and that's why I think the 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 bogus kind of desire to have seen you know Billy D and Harrison and Carrie and Mark on adventures again is uh, that's literally living in the past. And it it was I think the role of of Harrison and Carrie in in The Force Awakens was perfect. Um, yes. I would have liked to have seen more Mark, but I can, you know, the way it ended up, I think it was fine. Well, I think the one, I don't, I don't want to call it a mistake, but the one thing that it did though was it put a lot of emphasis on Luke Skywalker. Like he's so important to everything yes. that's going on. I think that was that's the one thing where I'm with you. I was I was very excited about these new characters that we we're going to get that we had new, when that first teaser dropped, which I'll, we'll talk about in a second. We didn't know who they were, but I was like, bring it. I don't care. Yeah. And I did not care. I didn't even realize we didn't see anybody until somebody wrote an article. And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Where are they? Where are the old yeah. characters? I don't even care. Who is this story? Who is this guy in a stormtrooper? I love Because my big thing with Star Wars is storm. I love stormtroopers. And when they yeah. and when 
when Luke and Han take the helmets off, it's one of my favorite images. It's just the unmasked stormtroopers. So I'm yeah. like, we're going to get one of those as a main character. Bring it. I'm in. That's my. Yeah. So that that's where I was at. But I think just the emphasis on, on on Luke might be the one thing that maybe they'll look back on and say, eh, in hindsight. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, I think I think after nine, people will look at the Last Jedi and be like, oh, okay, it wasn't as bad as I thought. For yeah. those that don't like it. I mean, I, I still love it, but I can definitely see where where people sit on that. Yeah, me too. But I think uh, from everything I've seen of Rise of Skywalker, which is a lot in comparison, <laughs> you know, that one teaser trailer, uh, I think it's going to, I think it's going to, I'm just really excited for it. So the first teaser trailer for The Force Awakens drops, it yep. was, I think it was the Friday after american thanksgiving as we call it here in canada uh i was leaving the gym and i got this tweet uh and i was like what and i had to watch it in the car yeah you obviously know where you were you know what your emotions were talk about that yeah so um i remember finding what the title was i think it was tweeted out and i was uh i was in la at a at some conference and i remember sort of sitting there in the conference and flipping through my phone kind of bored of what was going on and it was like the Force Awakens, and much like the Phantom Menace, yeah. my first thought was, "All right, I, I, I like it better than the Phantom Menace." But I was like, I had no idea what that meant. But then the trailer, I remember, I knew that it had dropped on the internet, but I waited until I got home to see it because I wanted to go to the uh, the Apple TV trailer thing and yeah. watch it on my big screen. I didn't want to have the phone experience with it. Um, and I just I I swear I must have watched it 10, 12 times uh-huh. in a row, just like back to back to back to back to back. And I remember watching it with my son and daughter, and they both just like they were both like uh, like Ian McDermott at the uh, at at celebration. They were like, "Do it again, do it again, do it again." And they just we watched it over and over. And you know, again, my mind immediately like you was like, "Who's that stormtrooper? Who's that? What's that? That little orange robot looks totally yeah. awesome." It's you know the Falcon. Oh my God! And so. Um, and I remember watching it and being like, ah, they, they got the radar dish on it. It's a different one, but they got the radar dish yeah. on it. So just like little details that, that uh, ran right into. But it was, uh, I, I was immediately, you know, Jar, uh, JJ definitely captured that uh-huh. tone, even in the trailer, and sucked you right back in. Absolutely. And do you remember when that trailer dropped and it was starts off with Snoke's voice and it was like, there's been an yep. awakening. That's my snow compression. It's very good. It's very good. It's yeah, really good. Thank you. I was up for the role. I got, I, I lost out. Uh, but he's like, have you felt it? And people were like, that's Benedict Cumberbatch. Do you remember? I, thought, I thought for sure it was Benedict Cumberbatch. Everyone did. Totally. Which is so Matt Smith in The Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, he's not totally. in it, but he might be in it. But no, <laughs> nobody knows. Uh, so we'll fast forward a little bit to Chewie We're Home. Uh, Star oh, yeah. Wars Celebration Anaheim. Did you? I know you haven't been to a, a celebration yet, but did you? Yeah. Did you watch the panels online at all? <laughs> I did. I so my the office I was working at at the time was an open space office, which means nobody had an office, but they had these little rooms where you could go and work. So I literally booked myself a room for four hours, and I just sat in the room and I watched, <laughs> <laughs> pretended to be uh, doing my my day job and and watched it. And yeah, I remember. I remember seeing the trailer with everybody on the panel uh, remotely and just uh, I all I remember is the Chewie were home part. I know there was more to that oh, yeah. that trailer, but that's the only part that I remember from it. It was so memorable. 
Yeah, like, totally. It, it just it, it didn't matter what came before. As that moment happens, you're like, oh, yeah, Star yeah. Wars is back. Because I think Harrison Harrison Ford just and then Chewie beside him, you're just like, oh, okay, this is this is my Star Wars. I get it. Yep. Well, and and that, and I remember, um, of course, BB-8 and um, uh, the little guy from Jakku coming out on the stage, the little you know scavenger guy. Yeah. Uh, and just like, wow, Star Wars is back, and it's not. It's not CGI madness. It's it's real. It's here. It, the, so. the fact that they brought BB-8 on stage blew my. Now they have Dio on stage. I don't even know how that thing yeah. moved. I was like, what I, is that? I, yeah, they're making technological advances just for movies now. Yeah, it's <laughs> remarkable, remarkable. Um, so you haven't been to a celebration. Did that make you wish you were at a celebration? Watching yes, it, it yeah. definitely did. And um, it's funny. It's just that. Uh, it never seemed to be at the right time or the right place. And this year I considered going, but it was, I was a little late to the party. And, um, so, um, uh, I actually was actually in Europe when celebration happened. So I wasn't able to, to go anyway, but, uh, cause I thought about it last minute. I was like, is there a way that I can make this work out? Because I have gotten back into, you know, sort of this deep fandom engagement that I used to have when I was working for star Wars galaxy. I've, I've revisited that with, uh, recently with the podcast the release of this fan fiction novel that i wrote and just really getting into talking to fans i wanted to go and be there with them in chicago and um so i definitely wish i had been to one and i can't wait for anaheim i'm i'm you know i'm already ready to order my tickets friday at noon and go from there your, your bags are packed you're yeah, you're waiting at the bags. door like, there's right. a year yeah. to go i don't care i'm waiting <laughs> well it's funny because it actually falls the first day is my daughter's birthday and um and i told her i was like celebration is on your birthday and she's like can we go and i was like yes we could definitely go you are mine yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is an awesome moment i was yeah. just my first instinct was okay well it's gonna be really hot but it's gonna be air conditioned yeah. so we're good right we're good we're yeah. good it's, exactly. uh, and it's it's right next to Galaxy's Edge, so there's oh, that too. I, I don't even want to think about that. I'm so excited for <laughs> Galaxy's Edge. I just, I know. I just ah, uh, I don't even I, vegan blue milk. I don't know what it is, but I'm gonna have four of them. I might even get a green one and just be like, I hope you get to milk your own green milk though. That's what. <laughs> <laughs> See, that would be cool. Yeah, the one dispenser. Big, yeah, <laughs> it's, a, it's a space cow dispenser. And you got to grow a beard like I have so that you could like do the thing that Luke does yeah. and just let it just drip <laughs> out of your face. <laughs> oh, oh, I want to talk to you about that sequence in a little bit. Uh, so Force Awakens, all this fun stuff's happening. The trailer was on Monday Night Football, which um, you do like football. So were you going to yes. watch that game anyway? It was that, it was a Giants game, wasn't it? It was a Giants game, and I that, think. Yeah, yeah. so I, I was watching the game anyway. But I do remember just like how long they milked it. Just like, come on, yeah. bring it on. I want to see the trailer. And then, of course, I think... Was that the first movie you were able to order tickets online that far in advance? I can't remember. I don't know how it was for you, but for us, no. But it was the first one that I ever saw that actually sold out that early. Yeah, right. Like in October or November, yeah. whatever that was. Yeah, October, yeah. It was insane because my friend's like, it's going to sell it. I was like, nah, don't worry about it. And then he's like, by yeah. the way, there's three tickets left. Do you want them? I'm like, we need yeah. seven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did you buy tickets right away? Oh, I did. Yeah. In fact, I think I bought him for like three of the days of that weekend because, um, again, I keep going back to this buddy of mine, me and him and a bunch of – we now sort of have this tradition that we've done for the last four movies where that the Friday opening day, we all take off of work and we get like an 11 a.m. show. Yeah. 
oh. and we all we all go and go to the movie and then we go to a bar afterwards and hang out and uh, but it's um yeah it's become tradition with me and these these old school buddies of mine that still live in new jersey and we we do the it's become sort of this pilgrimage and it's also cool because the other tradition that now comes with that is usually the saturday the opening weekend um they take my kids and uh my nephew and his dad who went to go see revenge of the sith with me and we all go see whatever the star wars movie is and uh usually like on a like a 9 30 show on a saturday and uh but it's it's cool i mean it's cool how star wars tradition sort of uh happen or are renewed or continue so yeah it's awesome i have a with brockway to rebel scum with we take the day off and this the saga films in toronto they've actually had a pop-up shop so we go there in the morning and then we just wait for seven hours for the movie to start <laughs> we're like star wars is awesome and then we put on caravan of courage the ewok movie or something stupid and we're like this is why we like it because of ewoks and they'll never show up on film ever again uh so so let's uh so force awakens comes were you immediately immediately in love with that movie uh, from the very, very beginning, from the absolute beginning. And um, it wasn't lost on me either that it was basically beat for beat, a new hope. And I actually thought that was a good thing. And a lot of people use that as a criticism. Yeah. But the way I look at it is, you know, Star Wars needed to be rebooted in a way, right? The the prequels, I mean, even the line that Laura Santeca says is it's a very thinly veiled commentary on star wars with this this will begin to make things right and that's i think that was kind of a promise to the older fans uh in a way um and again i i have no prequel hate um but it's just you know they were they they felt different to 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 my sort of group of, of fans and so but i felt like it was smart to reboot the film without trying to remake it and connecting it in a, in a way. I mean, um, I don't know if it's on my website or not, but I, I had written a piece where I kind of talk a little bit about, you know, each little thing that's exactly like a new hope. I mean, right down to putting the data card in the little robot and putting them off on a mission. I mean, that's, that's a new hope. And the, you know, the bad guy in black enters the scene and, you know, interrogate somebody. I mean, it's, it's all there, but it was great. And I felt like I, I, it had what it had that the prequels didn't have. Um, and this is, seems to be a recurring theme in conversations is the prequels didn't, nobody was having fun in yeah. the prequels. Um, whereas, and you know, within a couple minutes of the movie, you have Poe Dameron with the, who talks first, you talk first. It's just hard to understand you with all the apparatus. Like that's, that was funny stuff, and that's what Star Wars was missing. So I was immediately, I was immediately back in, um, and I, I loved the Phantom or the the Force Awakens. I loved everything about it. I still do. I could watch it every day if it was on. I'll hold you to that one day. I'll put. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now you're watching it for 24 straight hours. <laughs> yeah. I will just breeze back past uh, Rogue One. Did you like Rogue One? I did. Um, I didn't like it as much as Solo, in hindsight. Um, but I liked it. I, uh, it, you know, it was a good Star Wars movie. But yeah, uh, the Vader scene. didn't have the same effect. The Vader scene um, was gratuitous. I liked it, <laughs> but it was. I, I know so many people absolutely love it. Um, but I'll tell you what my biggest problem with it, and I, I hate to to be one of those nitpickers that I always give a hard time to but 
he was such a, a badass in Rogue One, and then he faced Obi Wan, and he was like a little bit slow. So here's what I would have done. Not that anybody asked me, but what I would have done was I would have had Vader get injured at the end, yeah. uh, so that that explained why he was a little bit slower in his approach to lightsaber battles, because he goes from just I just I love the way he ripped apart those. I thought that was amazing, but something should have happened so that it made that connection. Oh, so but you don't you don't whatever. have the special edition where they're actually one of the rebel soldiers planted a bomb on the ship and actually it right. blows up and his body floats in space and yeah they have to and put he, it back he together. He Leia, does the Death Star. Yeah. He does what Leia does in Last Jedi and he he guides himself back to the <laughs> star. <laughs> but <laughs> the, the, there's no denying that that end battle. So I I I'll have to do this someday and, and rank all the space battles. But the space battle at the end of Rogue One may yeah. be the best ever that's that and and revenge of the sith the beginning are just so awesome so, so well done yeah i wrote I, I like rogue one a lot i but i like it it's, it's, it's different from like it's like solo i love solo but it's it's different i felt like i was reading yeah. the solo books from the 90s more than than watching a sequel or prequel to return of the jedi it, it, yeah it's a different it's a different thing speaking of I different agree. things sorry no, I was I was gonna say I totally agree. They're they're great movies. I love everything about them, but there's they're not they don't carry the same weight. Yeah, they put them on Disney Plus. Yeah. Uh, one movie though that everybody unanimously unanimously loves is this little film called The Last Jedi. <laughs> and I don't want to breeze through it, but we've been going really long, so we will breeze through it a little. Oh, bit. I apologize for that. Okay, that's my fault. Um, so this movie. I was at Star Wars Celebration Orlando when this trailer dropped and I saw Ryan Johnson there and I did not sleep in the halls, but I saw on Facebook how he came out and he was so excited and, yeah. and, uh, on the stage he was so excited and, and, and I, I, I wasn't in that room cause I didn't sleep overnight there, but I saw him on the, the Star Wars show stage, their YouTube show yep. and we watched it there and he was so excited and, and, and I was with the, everyone I do the podcast with and the trailer came and, and I was I was sort of a small amount disappointed in the trailer that Luke would want to end the Jedi only because I felt like that was obvious going into that that point, right? Um, and then the movie came, and the movie ended, and uh, uh, I, I I for me I'll tell you my first impression was okay, uh, um, I think I, I liked it. That's how it was. It I, it wasn't um, as excited as I was after the Phantom Menace. <laughs> But I wasn't as <laughs> as uh, as disappointed as I was in, a, in Attack of the Clones. I was like, "This is something." I love the Praetorian Guard scene to death, but there are moments of it that I just felt were off. And I remember talking to my to my wife Erin, and she she was at Celebration. She saw Ryan Johnson. She goes, "You know, I really want to like it more because he had me so excited." <laughs> and and I know you you like the Last Jedi, but I just want you to walk me through your experience of watching this one. Yeah, I mean it's. Um it's become one of my favorite of the films, but you know, totally honestly, I mean, much like I walked out of the Phantom Menace talking myself into liking it. Um, I went to the Thursday night showing with, uh, with my neighbor. He's got kids the same age as my kids, but he and I always go see all the Marvel and star Wars movies on the Thursday night without the kids. So we can go and, and enjoy them as adults and then go <laughs> for the kids and get up for bathroom breaks with them. Um, but I, I remember I walked out and I said to him, this that was both the best Star Wars movie I ever saw and the worst because I, I was so conflicted after I saw it. And I wasn't conflicted for the reasons that um, the traditional haters are. Like I 
don't at all disagree with the choices of Luke. I mm-hmm. totally get it. Um, but to me, it felt like um, I still have trouble with the entire crate sequence, or not crate, um, the Canto Bite sequence. I I can't. I I just there. If they left that out, I it would not have been missed. Um, I felt like though it was it, the movie actually kind of ends in a way that you could have ended the saga right there, yeah. right? It ends with, and and there's still hope, and we can go, and you know, evil always returns, but there's always still hope. The end, right? You could have ended it right there. Um, but I, what I really do like about it is that it was in a saga full of big gigantic galactic stories it's an incredibly small personal movie it's the story of um of ray trying to discover herself it's the story of kylo ren ben solo trying to figure out what what his choices mean it's luke skywalker coming to terms with his failure as as a jedi master so it's all these very small personal stories that i think i think that's what's jarring for people too and i think at the end of the day it's a movie full of failure yes every single person in that movie failed hux kylo ren luke i mean luke ends up winning but i mean even Ray wasn't very good at learning about the Force, so um, it was. It's it's a hard sort of movie to 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 take in. That being said, as I mentioned before, you know, The Empire Strikes Back as a middle chapter left a lot of things unanswered that the internet would have destroyed today. So it's my hope that everybody who has a big problem with Return uh, or the the Last Jedi. Um, after episode nine, we'll look back at it and be like, okay, it makes sense. Um, but I, I, I think the problem is I, I felt like the, the, the Rose and Finn story just didn't work at all. And there was missed opportunities as well. Um, with, with the story that, that are pretty gaping in, in a way, like for example, um, if it was me and obviously I've never created a blockbuster film, so I have no right to say this, but um, the whole Maz Kanata thing made no sense. Like putting her in just to put her in felt weird. Um, and instead of DJ, it should have been Lando. That's that, that's my, like my kind of thing on that. At least it would have made sense to bring him back into the movie. And then the, the sequence would have made more sense, but I've I've said a million times about Maz. I don't understand this character anymore. I've just I've I've totally lost. Like that scene, I rewatched Last Jedi the other a little while ago, and I, and and she's they're like, can you help us? And she says yes, but I can't because I'm in a union dispute. Right. What? Why? Why? Why just say yeah. yes? Just say yes and do it. Like you're a character in a movie. Just <laughs> I don't understand right. it. Yeah, like, they could have just have called her up on the phone and she could have been just hanging out wherever yeah. she was. She didn't have to be shooting stuff. I felt like she was there because she was contract con, like contracted to be in that movie and they had right. to put her in. Like it, it just, <laughs> it just frustrates me. And I, my other problem with it, I don't know how you feel, but I thought Ray, they changed her narrative from uh, my parents are coming back to, I don't know who they are. Like she never asked who her parents were in the force awakens. We did. But she right. didn't. And so I was always confused by that watching. I was like, but she never asked that question. And now this is like her whole thing. So, I mean, look, we all know Han is her father because that's been 
<laughs> right. It's been proven on the internet, so yeah. it's definitely happening. Yeah, I have a thing where if I just say Raylo, I could put Raylo in the title of anything, and that's immediately clickbait, and it gets me my views. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll talk about it for a minute. You can put it in your headline. And, exactly. Uh, that's how it works. You just say Raylo. <laughs> no, but that that was my those were my biggest uh, complaints from it. Where it was mods and and Ray's narrative felt like it, it shifted a little bit. So, but I'm gonna hold all. And I rewatched and I actually liked it a lot more two years, a year and a half, whatever it is later uh, than I did in the theater. And I liked it in the theater, but I, I liked it a lot more now. And I think because yeah. also that anticipation and all, it's not there anymore. I know what's coming. So the the yeah. jokes that I thought were flat, they kind of worked a little. They didn't work, but they just didn't bother me anymore. Yeah, well, I think there's there's two things that my again, I at the end of the day, I really I think it was a very interesting and very well crafted movie, I think. The problem I have, uh, again, is the the whole Canto Bite scene. And I also feel like the movie, um, the pacing is a little yes. strange. Uh, you have the big battle, then you have a little bit of a lull. And then when you think the movie's over, you still get that whole crate scene, which, yeah. again, I thought was a really cool battle. Um, but... Um, it just it feels like it's it's a it's a post credit scene in a way for for me. But I mean, it's it, it works, but it's it's just paced strangely. It, it it definitely is. That's one of my biggest complaints too. And I mentioned that on our the first review I did for it, I was like, it's and and it's funny because Ryan Johnson tweeted out like a month before it came out or whenever he finished picture lock on it, he said this has the least amount of wipes of all the Star Wars. Yeah, and. And maybe it would have benefited from a couple more just to like, like give some breathing room. Cause every time yeah. for, for me, when I, especially on the rewatch, it's like, where's Ray? Where's Finn? Where's Poe? Poe wakes. It's like, okay, calm down, calm down. Let's just, right. let's breathe. Like Luke says, just show, yeah. show, show me an exterior shot and a nice establishing shot. And let's, <laughs> let's move on from there. Yeah. Uh, speaking of moving on this, this, uh, you hated the last Jedi so much that you did a fan fiction. but you did do some fan fiction i did let's go into that how did that start so i i um i'd always said that the phantom menace felt to me like the movie version of a good book that didn't quite get it right um (laughs) that's a great way and um so uh i mentioned before that i had done this story for um uh, uh star wars adventure journal and i happened to come across it year and a half ago and i was telling a friend of mine about it and he's like oh that sounds interesting let me see it and so i shared it with him and then i also um i just for fun one afternoon i wrote the first the first chapter of what became my my fan fiction story and i sent it to him too and he was like this is great you got to finish this and um i don't think it was great but it was it was good enough to to inspire me and so what i did was i wanted to expand upon the phantom menace story because um at the end of the day as I was saying, interestingly, as I was saying at the beginning, that Phantom Menace should have been Qui-Gon's story. And I always kind of believed that Phantom Menace was Qui-Gon's story until I started taking it apart and realized it's actually Palpatine and Sidious's story. And so I wrote all, I, I basically used every piece of dialogue from the film. Most of the characters are in my version of it, but I've also added characters like Sifo Dias, um, and reference other things that happen. I give what I believe is a, it's a it's a non-canon backstory to Darth Maul, but a little bit more information there, and explore things like what was Palpatine doing on Coruscant while things were going bad on his planet, and what what was he doing behind the scenes to set up all these things. 
that you know everything that happens in the Phantom Menace happens because of him, whether he's doing it as Sidious or he's doing it as Palpatine. So I really wanted to dig into what's happening there and, and what's going on with the Jedi that they're who who on the Jedi Council is ignoring all these very clear signs that something is going wrong and 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 so I just decided to write it and I, what I thought would take me years is just some silly side project. I ended up writing. You know, 123,000 words in wow. about eight or ten months, and huh. and finished it. And and the thing that pisses me off most is, I put all this effort into a story that I can never make any money off of. No. <laughs> <laughs> but what was cool about it was, uh, I worked with my my friend who sort of edited it chunk by chunk, and he would ask questions. You know, are you filling in a plot hole here, or is this? You know, we we talked more and more about the story, um, and then when I released it. I was like, where am I going to put this? Now that I've gotten this thing done, and you know, it's nice that it's sitting on my laptop, but what do I do with it? So I got back into um, social media uh, um, and just sort of put it out there. And that was where I started to rediscover all these great podcasts and all these interesting people in the fandom. So I, I, I know of one person who read the book. Uh, I know Car- Kyle Larson from Star Wars Newsnet read it because he reviewed it on the uh on their site um so i feel good that one person read it and liked it and that's you know that's ultimately what it's all about but if nothing else it got me back to being connected and finding these kind of fans that frankly when i was writing for star wars galaxy and we wanted to do stories on them we had to really dig to find this guy in florida or this guy in upstate new york or whatever who had these unique fandoms and it's led me back to to having great conversations and and doing doing my own podcast and joining people like you on your podcast and and reigniting these these conversations and and rediscovering the Star Wars fandom. So the book was fun. It's available for free on my website and of course it's free, but it's available in like Kindle or iBooks, whatever version you want to read. Um, and it just it's sort of my my love letter to the story and. Uh, frankly, it's made me look at the Phantom Menace a little differently, and now I look at it and I'm like, yeah, well, this is why that happened. Everybody, <laughs> everybody else is like, that doesn't make any sense. But in my head, my head canon has now become it's your own uh, personal a book. canon. Yeah, <laughs> everybody has their own canon, and there's nothing wrong with that at all. Are you going to do Attack right. of the Clones or Revenge of the Sith? Uh, I've thought about it, but I don't think so. I think it's, uh, I think it's, yeah, probably not. Because, you know, one of the things I I set up in in the story that you know, it's sort of very subtle um, and it might be worth sort of discovering is I think one of the interesting fan theories is that something was happening between Obi-Wan and Padme, which yes. I think was a very interesting concept, but I don't know if I feel like doing all the effort to explore it and write it, but um, yeah, I, 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 I don't think so, but you never know. I might wake up one afternoon and just start writing it. Next thing I know, 10 months later, it'll be done. (laughs) But I'll tell you what, I think if I was to do it, I would combine Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith into one bigger story. Okay, I can see that. That makes sense to me, actually. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Well, I'm looking forward to that, so I'm going to hold you to it. (laughs) i'll get right to work on it (laughs) all right we're gonna wrap this up one thing i like to do uh, on this show is i don't know if you've ever seen inside the actor studio with james (laughs) i've actually never done this but he asked 10 questions now you do this too on on, on yours over there 
on the other side of the galaxy. I'll say that across right. the galaxy, right. around the galaxy, yeah. all the way over there on that side over of the galaxy. In the, in the U.S. versus in the, the U.S. side of the galaxy. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to ask you just a couple of what you ask. Okay, we talked cool. about this a little bit. If you had to choose one, would you choose an Ewok, a Porg, or Jar Jar Binks? Ah, I think I'm going to have to go Ewok just because it's classic trilogy and I didn't have a problem with them like everybody else did. So I'll, I'll go with Ewok. All right. Sounds good to me. I was going to ask <laughs> your favorite sound effect, but you, you gave that one away yeah. earlier. <laughs> What's your favorite Star Wars quote? Uh, I was afraid you were going to ask me. That. <laughs> I don't know which uh, which one to go with. I think I might have to go with, uh, let, me get, let me take a second on this one. Um I don't want to say anything cheesy like do or do not because everybody does that one. Um, I think I'm going to go with um, boring conversation anyway. Nice. Yes. Because that's one I feel like I can use just about every single day. (laughs) But I I love I just that that's that was pure Han Solo. That's perfect. And it's one of the best moments in Star Wars. I don't care what anyone says. I agree. Yeah. Right. Right off the bat. Uh What's another good one that we haven't talked about yet? If uh, let's say your favorite movie, TV show, or book, <laughs> um, I would. I'm gonna have to go with. Uh, I'm gonna have to go with Empire Strikes Back, just because. Um, not just because I think it's the best written movie, but I think um, it's the one that solidified to me that Star Wars is more than just a a great movie. I I think I. I I've said before that uh, Star Wars is a great movie, but uh, Empire is a great. Uh, I'm sorry, Empire is a great movie, but Star Wars is a great experience. Yeah. So, um, you know, as a my the writer side of me likes Empire the best. My favorite is is uh, Return of the Jedi, but I Empire is definitely the best, the most well written of them all for sure. Yeah. It might even be the best made of them all. Well, I I mean the whole Cloud City scene. Yeah. Everything about it is just amazing. Yeah. But it doesn't have Ewoks. This is true. This is true. <laughs> it has Ugnots. So Ugnots. <laughs> maybe you need to add, you to add that to your, to your for, All right. Finally, if you could be any character of the Star Wars universe, who would you be? Uh, that is a good one. I think I would probably be. Damn. That's a good question. You know, somebody should use that on their podcast. Um, <laughs> you know, I don't want to say Luke or Han because everybody says that. Everybody um, says Han. I've noticed. <laughs> everybody says Han, yeah. and everybody says the Millennium Falcon for the yeah. ship. I think I'm going to have to cancel that. Change that question. Um, you know, I'm going to say Qui Gon Jinn. Nice. I, I think Qui Gon is uh, he's sort of the the ultimate Jedi, or what I've always thought a Jedi would be like. Um, and he follows the rules enough to not get in trouble, but he goes off the re- reservation just enough to, to never get the really good job. So uh, he's, uh, I like Qui-Gon a lot. I just love everything about the way his sort of ways of throwing in philosophy at the right time. And yeah, I like him a lot. He is probably my favorite character of the prequels if I had to actually admit it, but I would never. I'm going to go with Wado or Ben Quadraneros every day of the week. <laughs> ben Quadraneros yeah. is the unsung hero of the Phantom Menace. I've always said <laughs> if his ship, if his pod race worked, he would have won the race and there would be no right. more had, sequels. So he had, he had four engines for goodness sake. He yeah. could have just done it, <laughs> but he didn't for the sake of the galaxy. That's what he did. <laughs> Speaking of the galaxy, do you want to plug where everybody can find you at? 
Sure, yeah. So you can find me at uh, my podcast is Around the Galaxy, which is available wherever you get your podcasts. Um, you can follow me on uh, on Twitter at ATGCast, or you go to my website, which is PeteFletzer.com. You can get my crazy 123,000-word book there and also all my podcasts and some blog entries and stuff like that. It's all there. But, uh, yeah, I, I do a lot of uh, – I spend much more time on Twitter than I probably should, so – if anybody wants to get in touch with me, that's the best way to go. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining me here on the Outland. Dude, this Club. was so much fun. It was awesome. It went, it went really long. This is going to be have to broke up into three parts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the trilogy. Yeah. That's what, that's what we'll do. All right, I'm yeah. going to throw it over to Han so he can be like, Chewie, get us out of here. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Pete. Fletzer, he's an author and a podcaster. Check out all of his work. Go to Twitter at Fletzer Pete to check out more and follow him along. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Outlander Club, everyone. My name is James Rizile. Music is by John Norris. Artwork by Barry Brophy. And until next time, may the force of others be with you. Yippee!